This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, we're mulling over some retro purchases. Andy picked up the new Monster Hunter World Collector's Edition. We take a boo at some upcoming releases. Dan ventured into the dystopian future of Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Kamehameha! The internet agrees. Underground weed warriors from China and Americans vote on the dangers of marijuana versus sugar. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the stanky-danky, Dank Dan. You have no chance to survive. Make your time. Oh, (laughs) all right. Assassin bot Dan, how are you? Well... All your base do belong to us. Uh, fantastic. This is a cat thing, eh? This is a cat that set us up the base. Mm, move zig. Is that was that a was that a cat quote also or cat's quote also? It surely is. Zero wing. All your base. All your base. They are belong in and around us. The best part of that cut is what you say. <laughs> the dramatic uh, poise is there. The making a lick of sense is not, and for no. that we salute you. Listen, man. Sometimes you don't need to make a lick of sense, as evidenced by the fact that we are ten episodes deep in this podcast and still going. Defies all reason. Let's keep it going. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I think we have to pat ourselves on the back on this one. We've committed to something for ten episodes. This is uh, this is a big big step for us. Yeah, it's true. Um, what helps is that this is a, a state-mandated community service project. It's really yes. helps push it over the top. Not the state of Virginia, as well as we'll discuss later. But uh, but yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. Um, it's been mandated by someone. But you know what? Uh, I think that we can all get down with the the small voice that whispers in our hearts in the in the deep hours of the night. Just cogent, cogent sentences. We <laughs> applaud you. Cogent, thank you, Cogent Sentences. Dan, it's good to be back in the purple dungeon lair with you, my dude. Feels good. Feels right. What do yeah. we, we got? What do we got today? What do you got today? What do you got going on the last week? It's been oh, I haven't I haven't talked to you at all. You've been you've it, been gone dark. I did go dark. Uh, like a I'm, like the the latest edition of Tim Horton's awful coffee. Yeah, nobody likes that. Send it back. Um, you know what? I went dark because I. I've been embarking on some secret directives that I can't share completely uh, on the on the podcast now. But what I will tell you is 
uh, as of today, my humidor is uh, full to the brim. Oh, your humidor! I see. Oh, yeah. well, let us know what uh, what have you what have you sl- what did you slide into your humidor this evening? Oh man, I got a glorious Cohiba selection pack with uh, a number of fine Cohiba cigars and oh. uh, some Patragas Series D number fours. These are some choice uh, Cuban cigars. Um, which are now languishing gracefully uh, inside the moistness of my humidor, and I couldn't be more pleased. I mean, there's something special about having like a, a box packed with cigars that has is at a regulated humidity. It feels like 50% science project, 50% like uh, philanthropist. Sure, you have a moist chamber in your house. It's a specific I- chamber for moistness. That's right. That I put that I put my uh, firm yet soft cylindrical object into. Yeah. Well. Mm. Mm. They, they smell a little bit like the salt air. Yeah. Okay. Thank, nice recovery. Um, yeah. You know. I mean, to me, cigars are a an extremely um, pleasurable experience. Unfortunately, I have a hard time with cigars. I smoked about a hundred at my wedding, you see. And what ended up happening was I, I had a, a lymph node in my neck that grew to the size of a golf ball to the point that one of my groomsmen actually gave it a name, Larry, Larry, the lymph node. <laughs> and he did, he did indeed stick with me for about four months after my wedding. And so at that point, you know, every day I'm going to bed thinking that, you know, I'm dying, I'm dead. It's over. You're on WebMD. It. It's yep. telling you the worst. You know what, Andy, this lymph node conversation reminds me that I need to introduce you to my Uncle Murray. You guys would have a lot to talk about. <laughs> lymph nodes, lumbagos, you know, it's all in the, it's all in the right vicinity. But um, yeah, no, it was a scary, genuinely a scary situation. Also coincided with about the same time that we were, uh, we, we were informed we were having our first child. Um, so all of that was... Uh, Andy and was I a, were having our first child. That's right, yes. That's right. Uh, we're here, we're queer. That's um, right. Um, you know what, Andy, I, I was Googling... I, I remember your lymphnotic uh, calamity. I remember Googling from my good buddy Andy some solutions to this. And there's some great stuff. Like there's some stuff you'd expect, warm bath, sauna, massage, exercise. But my favorite by far is the following. Jumping on a trampoline. A trampoline. Tra- yeah, rebounder. Yeah, that's Jumping a, that's on a, a trampoline. One. Get on your trampoline. All of those things sound like things you'd want to do high. Right. And I well, and I, I just love the idea of like sitting down with your doctor. He's feeling your lymph nodes. He's checking you out. He looks at you concerned. He's like, I'm going to have to get you bouncing on a tramp immediately. I'm going to write you a quick prescription. I need you to get to a fun play place immediately and just <laughs> jump until your inner child screams, hot dogs. Uh, you know what, man? I think that there's a, there's a case to be made for the holistic kind of medicine that sends you to like a ball pit. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, it looks like you're having uh, it looks like you're having some issues with your liver. Go and uh, go and head down down to Ronald McDonald's house and uh, sit in the ball pit for a little while. Should sort you're you right gonna out. You're going to have to play some uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots to really clear this thing out. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. In the end, laughter was the best medicine. Oh, and uh, insulin. Laughter is the second best medicine. In- insulin is the best medicine. Make sure you get insulin in there as get well. Get that, uh, please. Do not forego your insulin. Honorable mention to insulin. Dan, I have begun the construction of my new gaming lair. Is that exciting or what? Is this a man cave, Andy? It is. It is the first. So, you know, in the, in the 2,500 square feet that, that is the, uh, you know, the size of my home, I have approximately 50 square feet in the basement. 
of my century home, which is padded mostly with dirt and cobwebs, um, for which to store most of my prized possessions. That's just the nature. Yeah, sure. And I mean, listen, these are important prized possessions. I'm talking about, you know, limited release comic books. That's right. I'm I'm talking about, you know, N64 titles near and dear to my heart. The kind of stuff that any sensible, you know, life partner would want to display on the mantelpiece or whatever in the basement in the mostly (laughs) in the basement yes exactly um but i've somehow managed to convince my wife that we absolutely need to convert my office upstairs uh, into a game room given that i'm no longer working from home very often so uh it's it's happened i headed out to ikea uh picked up some couches and pretty soon i'm going to be able to take some of those sexy little snapshots like yeah you see all the cute girls on instagram posting of their feeties in front of the television and the game they're playing except it'll be yeah, for sure. Except you know, for me, it'll be I don't know, couple couple pairs of black socks with holes in the second toe. Um, Andy, but I, I'm hoping is, to get at least is, fifty likes. Is is marrying is like marriage? Uh, taking all your prized possessions and and putting them into a, a cave under your house is that what marriage is? Uh, it's pretty close. I mean, you're not married, but I think the last time I checked, you had about four square feet on the inside of a broom closet for which to uh to to keep your prized possessions. I've been advised that there are some select locations for my things, and they are not here or here or here, but right here. Right. And half in that area, here. though. And half that area. Yeah. <laughs> right next to the bath salts. Now, uh, I, kn- and I know. There will that, be more bath salts coming. I know that, that space in your basement um, is going to be uh, very much coveted by the spiders that comprise the foundation of your lower house because they are very angry. When you wrestled half of that space away, I think it was more the more the ghosts than the spiders. Oh, it was those more ghosts. Yeah, they're they're unhappy with my tenancy down there. I'm just gonna remove all of my stuff so I never have to set in uh, at foot my, into that haunted hellhole again. Like I get that when you're a little apparition child, you have to weep blood, but you have to do it like so insistently. Like you have to insist upon yourself. I get it. You're getting there, but just let it happen naturally. You know what I mean? So gauche. You know, I feel like if all of the supernatural shit that, you know, happens in games and movies suddenly started happening in real life, there'd be an adjustment period. But mm-hmm. by and large, we'd all be pretty desensitized to that shit to the point where it would become normal pretty quick. But given the amount of like resident evil that the general population has played, I feel like it would be, you know, a short transition. You know what? I think I could adjust to all the hands coming out of the walls and slender man creepy staring and getting close every time you turn away i can handle that what i couldn't handle is the unsettling laughing clown you know yes. that that like like gets clo- like comes at you laughing and you're like what do you want you seem so happy but also upset that's too much for me man I, yeah uh, i'd pack my bags pack we're my on bags the same page me. okay yeah great. we're on the same page on that one you know scary clowns i think rank they up there among uh yeah, just among the most terrifying things on earth. For me, aliens really get me right in the heart. You know, I, I can't. I watched Signs when I was a young lad. Um, and for six months after that, I had, you know, little glasses of water up around my, my bedroom as a mm. child. So that, that, that movie specifically was responsible for the lion's share of my absolute terror around aliens. Uh, you don't really scare me in that movie. Joaquin Phoenix. He's horrifying just right I'm sorry. down to the core. Was that a human? Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. It sounds Joaquin. like a sounds like a finisher combo in Street Fighter Five. It sounds like uh, a tribe of peaceful aborigines. Yeah, I could maybe the Joaquin Phoenix. I feel that. I got you. Oh, sorry. Who is Joaquin Phoenix, and why is he scary? 
Uh, he's like the middle character in that particular film, under Mel Gibson, but above those uh, two impetuous children. Right. Got no recollection of that. Um, but what I do have some recollection of... <laughs> nice. Yes. Yes. Mm, segue. Is the wonderful uh, halcyon days of the Game Boy Color. <laughs> Goodness. Um, Dan, did you have a Game Boy Color growing up? I went from like the neighbor's Game Boy, the normal black and white guy, to the one that was a square uh, that folded out like uh, you're going to do your makeup. Yeah, it's the Game, Game Boy, Boy Color. Game Boy, no, that was the Game no. Boy. Oh, yeah, that was the, the GBA SP. Was that the Game Boy Girl? The ga- Yeah, the Game <laughs> Dan's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I had my bronzer on there. I had my, right. you know, my eyeshadow, and it just kept, I kept having to return it because it would get all gunky and awful. Barbie would phone me on it. <laughs> you want to yeah. go to the mall? Yes, you Barbie, had, uh, I do. They have Froyo there. Oh, dear. You had a wonderful imagination and not enough friends, I see. Ow, that was... Come on, man. That was right in my cold plastic heart. Um, but yeah, so you never had a Game Boy Color. That's a shame, man. I mean, like you, you kind of did because Game Boy Color was backwards compatible. And by and large, the generation of Game Boy games in the GBC and the original Game Boy space were, I mean, comparable, I guess you could say. Not, not the quantum leap that you experience in between generations now right mm, yeah um but game boy color was really my my first like well it was my first handheld for sure i never right. owned an original game boy yeah. uh sorry total lie i had a game gear a sega game gear did you have oh, one of those yes four hours of, of <laughs> hardcore gameplay those batteries were go 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 garbage <laughs> eight batteries bro Hate batteries. <laughs> I remember being at a wedding. I was at like I don't know, a cousin's wedding or something like yeah. that. And yeah. um, you know, I was adamant. The my only condition for participating will, willingly in this wedding was that my dad had to supply me with a ton of batteries. <laughs> you know, I'll so need- dad, I will be there, I will cooperate, but I need literally like thirty dollars of energizers or I'm not coming. Dad, the uh, Costco bin. Every time that you reloaded that thing, you could hear the gentle sobbing of the uh, a member of the Joaquin Phoenix tribe as you ravaged the earth. <laughs> Dude, I you know what? I probably still have like a bin of disposed batteries from the Game Gear sitting at my parents' house. There was a like you could build a you could build a village for for the you know for the less fortunate out of those batteries. You got to keep them around because what else are you going to huck at um, poor drivers when uh, cruising down the road? Yeah, well, I think sometime in, I don't know, sometime in high school, I got it into my head that I was going to build a bomb. Oh, yep. Mm, edit that. That's an edit. edit. That's, <laughs> that's an edit that point. Let's take it from before you admitted to building a bomb. Yeah, yeah. Let's take it from right before there. <laughs> I don't know. Keep going. Um, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the hey, game Andy, like- what do you think some more pretentious word? Uh, Halcyon or oh, what was the other one you said? <laughs> Take your pick, man. Take your pick. Um, was kidding on the bomb thing, but that, that do you remember the anarchists cookbook? That was a thing that like a lot of teenagers. No, I really, don't. Yeah, <laughs> he's like quietly puts away the anarchist cookbook. I was baking you what a cake. What do you mean, Andy? Andy? I'm what a law-abiding citizen. Sit. <laughs> <laughs> don't I know it? Don't I know it? Um, anyway, back to the Game Boy Color. What got me into handheld gaming in a big way was my Atomic Purple Game Boy Color. And I was uh, I was browsing the gram the other day, and I noticed some gal in uh, Utah, I think it was, that was taking some snapshots of Pokemon um, Pokemon oh, Pla- Diamond. I can't remember. Excelsior. 
Excelsior, uh, yes, uh, Excelsis, uh, Pokemon something or other on the the Game Boy, um, the Game Boy Color Atomic Purple Edition, and I have made it my mission to go out and track one down. And so I got myself geared up, expecting it to be somewhat challenging, and indeed it was not. They're available at pretty much any pawn shop you can throw a stone at um, for like twenty to thirty bucks. So uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be picking one up in the near future. You know, um, you know, what kept me from owning a Game Boy Color. What's that? A- attention from my parents. Oh, yeah. Love and, yeah, I understand. Well, I mean, listen, man. Some people have it and some people don't. Uh, just as, you know what? Now I feel like I missed out. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, but so, you know, what it, what it led me to doing was doing a, a, little bit of a little bit of a deep dive on some of the best titles on Game Boy. And listen, like Pokemon's a shoe in anytime you like. I know that you're not particularly a fan of the beloved Pokemon like the rest of the fucking planet. You sick, sick man. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's, there's other titles that I played on and off and I wanted to get a sense of what really was the cream of the crop of Game Boy Color. So um, I've committed to picking up, I think it's Dragon Warrior 3. Nice. I know. I know you're a Dragon Warrior fan, right? Uh, the original. Um, I feel like it got into some pretty reprehensible, like um, uh, animation as the as our, the days waned on and the series waned on. And now three, did it still have like a classic, uh, like a dungeon delving medieval style motif, or had it morphed into a more cartoony, bandana wearing, oversized wrench touting situation? Situation. Um, it's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, again, just have barely, just have barely kind of scratched the surface of it. I'm on the lookout for it now. It's on my to nice. get list, nice. um, as well as Mega Man. I think it's called Mega Man Extreme. It's a, it's a, uh, a, a repackaging of Mega Man X for the uh, for the Game Boy Color. And nice. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, you want to hear a, you want to hear a, a, a bald faced admission right now. Get in there, bald boy. N- never played a Mega Man game. I gotta quit the podcast, dude. How? <laughs> that's, that's the kind of How? shit that you're supposed you know to tell up front. You know I open up every video game conversation with anyone of like an appropriate age. What's your favorite Mega Man? Yep, that's like the kind of thing. Like before you get married, you're supposed to discuss kids. Before you start a gaming podcast, maybe tell your co-host that you've never played Mega Man. <laughs> okay, let's let's practice the lie right now. Um, somebody asks you what your favorite Mega Man is. What do you say? Uh, three. Wrong. What you okay. say is number two and you think that Metal Man's power was borderline over, borderline overpowered, but the amount of fun that it brought to the table just made it undeniable as, as a Mega Man weapon, uh, and it just it, it was yet to be topped. I thank you for that small little tidbit that I will make sure to impress my in-laws with later on. Put that in evening. your back pocket. Put that one in there. I'm sure that'll come up off. No, I mean, like, it's it's true. Like, Mega Man is, it's a game that I've seen played. It's a game that I've often thought of buying. Um, you know, there's there's a collection that came out a couple, I want to say like a year ago, not very long ago. Yeah. A collection, yeah, a collection that came out for the PS4 that, ha- and I'm sure many other platforms, um, that has all of the Mega Mans up until... I want to say, what, is it just one through eight? Yeah, I believe so. I, I, I think was, they, they busted out into two parts. I think they, they put a second chapter in there. Yes, there's a second chapter for sure. There's part one and part two. I think they're both like $35 digital, which is why I'm obviously not going to pick that up. I would probably do that physical copy or if it went on sale. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so I'm definitely into jumping into a Mega Man game and I feel like playing it on a Game Boy Color would retroactively slot me into having picked up Mega Man at an acceptable time. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and just to put a pin on it, it uh, the collection, legacy collection, is Mega Man 1 through 6. Okay, and then what about part 2? Well, I don't have that at my finger tips, but uh, let's see. We got uh, mm. collection 2, collection 2. I've gone into eBay. Things have already gone wrong. Can oh, I bring dear. it back? No, no. Uh, so, no, so I got this. I got this. Stick with it. And failure. Uh, let's, yes. call, let's call it <laughs> Mega Man 7 through in Infinity. There you go. There, <laughs> there you go. There's a new Mega Man game coming out soon, right? 7, 8, 9, and 10. Got you. There is a new Mega Man game coming out soon. I think it was Mega Man 11, you said? I don't know. Okay. Got you. Nice. <laughs> I see you're nice. a diehard fan. Content, guys. Content. There you go. Content all the way. So what was your favorite Mega Man? Don't repeat your no. sound, sound bite from before. And so, um, you know, the next uh, Evolution Pass, the one that's originally uh, mentioned is Mega Man X. Um, because, you know, it brought it onto the Super Nintendo. You really saw that quantum leaping, leaping graphics. And the Blue Bomber um, really looked intricate and technical. And you saw the arrival of his, uh, let's call him brother, Zero, uh, a long, blonde-haired, red-clad, laser-sword-wielding uh, Maverick. And uh, boy, the, this, this took the game into a level of badassery that I wasn't prepared for as like a 10-year-old child. Uh, and you can put together like a, a set of armor that would uh, rival the Gundam wing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and there's several secret armor sets. There's one that does like a, a like a super Hadouken, uh, a purple Hadouken, and another one that that does some crazy action. I'm sorry, Mega, Mega Man is Hadoukening. Yeah, he's got like this, and uh, you have to do this thing in the purple armadillo, our armored armadillo level. You have to jump at the right time after doing this and that, and you get to you get that this purple Hadouken. Uh, I, I I may be uh, fudging a couple of facts here, but um unlocking that as a younger man it like uh, you love a game that has uh, like a secret drilled into it so deeply that you know after you've beaten it 20 times there's still something extra to discover and mega man's that thing there's little secrets everywhere and i love that about a game it's a game that says hey man you could continue this level or you could try and jump down that hole that might kill you or it could take you to a secret area however you want to do it bro what do you no, want? i love that I love that. I think you've uh, you've single-handedly swayed me into picking up Mega Man X for the uh, GBC over Dragon Warrior 3. Oh man, the wailing synth guitars alone make it worth it. Yeah, well, you know what? I apologize to anyone I've lied to about having played Mega Man in the past. This is my deepest, deepest shame. You did the right thing. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, speaking of doing the right thing, uh, I know that we are looking at recording in some new and exciting locations. And I'm pretty damn excited about that because I feel like getting a little bit more live recording would be kind of cool on the Purple Dungeon Squad. What do you think, Danny? We should pitch it live from uh, a pizza pizza, like at like Young and Bloor. I like that idea. Li I mean, we'd be kicked out very Immediately. soon. Immediately. Immediately. I mean, listen, the bar, <laughs> the bar for the bar for being in a pizza pizza is you either have to be so debased and disgusting that no one wants to bother throwing you out the door or you have to be actively eating pizza. And um, we'd either have to eat probably three hours, I guess, worth of pizza, which is a lot of pizza, uh, or we'd need to just be really disgusting. So I'd probably go with the latter to save a little bit of money. We're not, we're not churning over the, uh, the big year-over-year -year profits yet on the Purple Dungeon Squid. Yeah, that's right. And you know, now that I think of it, you know, I've woken up in the morning and had the distinct feeling of a severe hangover, 
only to remember, yo, I didn't drink last night. I just ate pizza pizza. And, and let's <laughs> let's say that, yes, I did shotgun an entire pizza 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 to myself, but it shouldn't feel like a three-alarm hangover. That's too much salt. <laughs> uh, pizza pizza, get at us if you want to work oh, out a sponsorship, sponsorship deal. Oh, that sponsorship is right on the cusp. Canadian companies supporting Canadian companies. I love that. Love, love that it. about it. Good stuff. Yeah, but it's, you, you guys should be excited because uh, I think we'll probably be hitting up a gaming cafe or something like that. I like the idea of us recording in an exotic location. So uh, if you're in, from Toronto and you, you got some good ideas about where you'd like us to hit up, please uh, please shoot us an email at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Um. So, I, what, what do you want to do here? Oh, I think we should probably explore some of the uh, the wonderful sponsors we have, Dan. Yeah, let's talk about our great sponsors. Our great sponsors. Again, bringing in those fat profits uh, are uh, video games and weed. You know, we can always count on you, video games and weed. We can always count on you. Also brought to you by... lover, secret mother. Yes. <laughs> also brought to you by self-completing lists. Because I like two things people that can extrapolate uh, data from an incomplete sentence. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. Brought to you by Jeans with a Ripped Crotch. How you doing? Do you <laughs> Let me take another one. Let me take another one. Say it again. Je- jeans with a Ripped Crotch. AC built in. Oh, man. You know, funny story. A mutual friend of ours, Dan, um, he was telling me a little while ago, wonderfully successful guy now, runs a social media firm. If that's a real thing, I think people make money doing that. So it's pretty incredible. (laughs) But, you know, he was telling me once over coffee that that very morning, and he's a bit of a bohemian lad, this guy, um, (laughs) that very morning, he rolled into his local branch of the bank to deposit a check. Um, and this is after having had uh, a hole in his crotch for quite some time. And without knowing it, he had actually exposed his member to the teller who very promptly said, um, sir, uh, your, your penis is showing. I to which she... <laughs> I can see your penis. I can see your peeper. And uh, to which he very calmly tucked it right back into his pants and went, uh, went about his business. So what he said I, is, I'd like to make a deposit. Oh, no. That's the obvious joke. You, you treat it like a gentleman, and then everybody goes home unscathed. That's one way to do it, I guess. Next. That's one way. <laughs> Brought to you by Mock Chicken. Mock. Yeah. Bird. Chicken. Yeah. yeah. Brought to you by the Scottish. Because I got to put an addictive substance in your chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly. Oh, man. And finally, brought to you by Awkward Teenager Sleepover Conversation. Can I, can I take out my pants? Do I leave my pants on? Do I butt first? Do, do they want nightlight? Do I get a nightlight? What's happening? Oh, uh, all of those things, liable to get you arrested. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. Oh, this is a real piece of garbage it is. Alrighty then, man. Dan, 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 did you see the delicious treasure that I brought home uh, last Friday? Oh, you were flaunting it all over the gram. I called you. I texted you. I texted your mother. She was very excited for me. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I brought home Monster Hunter World, the collector's edition. Now, you'll recall recall that the, uh, the evening prior to the launch of Monster Hunter World, I went ahead and 
scoured the internet for a collector's edition, um, came up empty handed. So I, I rolled out to EB Games, our local game boutique, and the wonderful lady there, I had asked her about a collector's edition, of course. The wonderful lady there elected to give me her collector's edition in lieu of purchasing it herself. And so Shut I just want to. I just want a, a single tear roll down my cheek. I felt bad for all of the times that I've disparaged, you know, uh, retail. And I'm back. a, I'm a convert. I'm a, that, that's that kind of generosity. You just can't get that from Amazon. They so, extended an olive branch. That was the a mouth of a difficult to capture beast. In that moment, it was as if the heavens had opened up. And the word retail was whispered softly into my ear. And I think that was the moment where Come retail was saved. If I had to put my finger on it, that was the minute. American Andy, retail, you're welcome. What was the name of this sweet angel saint? You know, I don't know her name. Wah, wah. Isn't, an, isn't an anonymous benefactor even better than a known one? You got me Let's there. Let's be real. You got I think me I'm there. right. I think I'm right on it. Anyway, I rolled in. I was super excited. You know, it was really nice, really a beautiful thing to do. Um, the collector's edition was more money than I'd care to disclose. <laughs> it was, it Andy, was Andy, I'm gonna use hand amounts. You tell me you tell yeah. me when will you tell me when I've got blink, there. Blink blink twice if this? it's over two scoops. There? Yeah. Is it this? Ooh. This big? Andy, how I'm much big. did you spend? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, the children are going to have to get used to living at grandma's, but Ooh, I've got sorry, the kids. Collective College edition. has been canceled. College is no longer necessary. I heard it on the news. Um, so I've, you know, I'm really excited about this. Here's the coolest part about the collector's edition of Monster Hunter. It is a normal sized PlayStation 4 uh, jewel case. Right. Inside a two foot by two foot by two foot box. It is inside the largest, air quotes, collector's box that any game has any right to put their product inside of. It is obscene in the strictest sense of the word. It is now my joint rolling station. I am in love with it. That is the type of box that a depth charge comes in. I mean, listen, they, they, had to, they had to jack up the price because logistics on this guy inflated the cost, I'm sure, exponentially. But it is, a, it is just a beautiful, it is a beautiful box. So... I'm sure you've seen Monster Hunter has been absolutely dominating social media. It's just literally everywhere. Popular, 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 which is just not actually standard for a, for a Monster Hunter franchise. It's uh, broken entry. through. Yeah. This is kind of the thing. I'm wondering, Dan, do you think that this is now like a Western phenomenon? Like Monster Hunter has always been a thing and people know it, but generally speaking, uh, probably because it was uh, ex almost almost exclusively a handheld entry for you know time immemorial, has mostly been confined to diehard fanship in Japan. The amount of like folks, just people in the diaspora, oh, terrible word. People You're killing <laughs> people, me. You're <laughs> killing me, Smalls. Oh, Can you bring it out of grad school and bring it back here to the streets? I, I puked in my mouth a little. Diaspora, Just you get out of here. It sounds like a sounds like a fucking medication. It sounds but, uh, like what you catch when you drink out of the Ganges. <laughs> what are you doing to like, us? It sounds like the uh, the kind of thing you do to someone. Take a dollar and put it in the douche jar. I put sit. it in the douche. Let's, I'm, so, I'm going to take a real hot shower after this podcast. But, um, you know, I just, I feel like I've heard more people in general talking about Monster Hunter than I ever kind of imagined would be. And yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say Monster Hunter has a welcome to the West. It's welcome crested. To the West. It is crested. And 
I think it's important as a, a humble white man that I not appropriate the culture too hard. But I am, I'm going to respectively don the garb of one monster hunter and see if I can down one of these reptilian beasts. Good. So have you decided you're going to pick it up then? Well, I have a plan. Can I share yeah. it with you? What's your plan? I got a great friend. He's a great dude. But he has no follow through. And I've made a bet with him that he won't complete uh, Persona 5. Yes. And I feel really good about that. <laughs> you feel good about that one. I feel so, so good about it. I think maybe like I could get him to buy me the copy in advance of losing the bet with the proviso that if he wins the bet, that I'll like pay him back for it. I'll have to <laughs> run it by him, though. Whenever, you, whenever I see him, I'm going to run it by him. I hear he's a real douchebag. He's, he's got his moments, man. Sometimes he, he really shines. Like, oh. like you wouldn't believe. Well, that's a sweet thing for Not you to say. Not right now. You, <laughs> I dislike where that went. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's true. It's it's interesting because you, of all people, you know, I just Monster Hunter World never struck me as a game that you would consider playing. But it's I play Dynasty the, Warriors, bro. What does that have to do with Monster Hunter World? I feel ask? like if you add Dynasty Warriors to um event horizon zero dawn you get monster hunter do you not what is event horizon zero dawn zero dawn event horizon come on zero dawn event horizon what is event horizon we are it's, off the royals it's, it's the game with aloy and the hunting of beasts of the mechanical nature but it's not called event horizon it's called horizon Oh, did I add a thing? I added a thing. You so added anyway, a thing. because you not only not only majesty. did you beat this game, you don't know the name of it. That's just that's surprisingly. I made the name that. better. I made it better. Event Horizon is like so, a movie. No, it's a my, sci-fi movie from the nineties. Oh, it's such a good one. Gates of Hell in space. Anyway, but um, my point is that you have the uh, outlandish weapons of Dynasty Warriors, and mm-hmm. you have the hunting elements of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean. It's got a lot of the components that uh, that old Dank Dan likes to get down on. Listen, I like that you. I like that you. You know, you 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 roped in Dynasty Warriors. With all due respect, I think that that had uh, that had no legs. But the the Horizon Zero Dawn um, comparison is apt, and you know, it, definitely the monster hunting part of it is is you know I, I can see that it's the it's the gear treadmill that I I didn't really peg you for being someone who was interested in, in that kind of stuff. But then again, you're a Destiny fan, right? I'll, I'll dabble. You know what I mean? But it's like I could that milk can get soured so quick. But like leveling up and improving gear, like I mean, it, it, that can really be there for me. It just, mm-hmm. I'm like, a, I'm like a a prize goose. To get a goose to a certain size, you need to protect it and keep it well fed. But if it knows that it's been ensnared into captivity, it will not get to its masterful size. So you, so you need to somehow keep the goose and make him at once feel wild. And that's how Dank Dan gets down. I want. I want the treadmill, I want the game systems, but if I feel kept by them, if, if they get loot boxy on me, it'll, it all comes crashing down. Well, that is a, an apt, that is an apt uh, metaphor. I've, farm I'm speechless. wisdom. <laughs> Dan yeah, brought no some kidding. farm wisdom to the plate. You brought it to the table. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the nice thing about it is that Monster Hunter World, um, 
or Monster Hunter in general. I'm just going to talk about the franchise because spoilers, I haven't gotten that far into Monster Hunter World yet. <laughs> it's 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 a daunting game, many 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 hours. From most reports, I'm hearing between 30 to 35 hours. I want to say um, before folks are finishing kind of the main storyline and getting into the post game, which is really where a lot of the action happens, similar to you know a Destiny or what have you. Um, so there's a, definitely a lot of content there to digest before I get there. But what I like about Monster Hunter and what I think you'll like about it is that the gear grind is really firmly entrenched with a direct feedback loop of taking down monsters and using their um using their their materials to uh to create gear in fact you know that's that's the central kind of theme of monster hunter and what's cool about it is that you can kind of pick and choose your targets and figure out you know what what monsters you want to take down to make what gear. It's very much, very much tied in amongst one another. And I feel like that kind of gear grind might, might, you might get down with that. Maybe. Um, you know, sometimes you need a bone saw and to make a bone saw, you need to leverage a femur and 65 animal canines to turn that into a thing. And I can respect that. Ah, you can get down with it. Yeah, I mean, it's so again, I haven't played too much of this Monster Hunter yet. I was so excited with the collector's edition. I spent way too much time pouring over its contents and not enough time playing the actual game. But what I did get into was the fucking character creator. I have to just throw a little shout out to Capcom for this character creator. I've never seen a better one. Capcom, get at me call your boy one. Andy. Yeah, yeah, what's up? But seriously, like, did you see online people have been online? <laughs> okay, Online? Dad. On, on the, the net, World Wide Web. On the World Wide Web. Um, people have been like approximating celebrities. Like, I saw a David Bowie made in the Monster Hunter character generator, was which was pretty fucking close. riding a tiger made of lightning? No, he was, he had, what's the, the Bowie with the face paint? What's that called? Bowie it's from a specific Ziggy, album? It's the Ziggy Stardust tour, my man. Is that it? I I could you could be totally bullshitting me. I have no idea. Funky Ziggy Stardust. Okay. All right. Well. Mm. Um. But yeah. I mean. So <laughs> there's there's that end of the spectrum, and then you've got not only a character generator for or a character creator for um your your character proper, but if you've been playing Monster Hunter over the past couple entries, they introduced um they introduced a companion for your monster hunter called a palico. It's basically like a puss in boots. And these guys are everywhere. They're cooking you food. They're going on adventures with you. And you can actually customize your palico to the point where there are people all over the interwebs that have customized in-game cat warriors to look exactly like their kitties at home. Now, isn't that a charming story? Andy, why do you want animals to be your slaves? Uh, are you referring to Pokemon, I imagine? I am referring to Pokemon, but also you just, this. How do you everything to comes back to your you? hatred of Pokemon. It's 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 defying logic at this point. I mean, I mean, are, are you? There is a you childhood feel, charm. Do you feel that the, these a, a sense of adventure oppress, or do you think that they're like along for the ride? And this no, is, dude. This is their true calling. They're they're DTF. They are down down to fundamentally help you throughout this role playing game. <laughs> Classic. Andy, yeah. uh, listen, I'm a little bit surprised that you picked up the collector's edition, and, and I knew that you were down to pound because you're not one that normally does this. No. Going through the experience, I know it reinvigorated your vibe towards real uh, 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 retail. Um, it, do you Are you con a convert? Are you going to be picking up the collector's edition here on out? 
Yeah, it's a, that's actually, it's a super good question. So I told you earlier, I was putting together a, a video game spot, right? A video game room. And part of it is like, listen, I like to collect things and not, not, not in an obscene way, but you know, I, I like well, to have, well, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I've got a pretty sizable board game collection cooking in the basement alongside, alongside all the other stuff. But you know, the, um, the nice thing about video, the, this collector's edition is it's kind of reintroduced me to the idea of video games as, as more than just a, just a, a digital commodity, right? You know, it used to be that you'd get a Nintendo 64 game, for example. I remember picking up, I don't want to throw it back to Ocarina of Time. Let's go Banjo-Kazooie, right? I remember picking up Banjo-Kazooie. And the first thing you did was you looked at the box art. And you were pumped about the box art. And the box was cool. And you were excited about the game inside, first and foremost, because of the box. And then you crack open the box. And you've got that nice cartridge there that has the same box art going on there. You got a nice little bit of parody and theme. It looks nice displayed next to each other. But even better, you've got the manual in there. Did you ever crack open it? Were you a manual guy? Oh, man. Like, there's a period of time as a young man between when you pick up a game and you play it. And that's called reading the manual in the back of your mom's sedan. And you're just vibing. What are the pickups? Little levels. Genius. Yes, you're looking at some of the key art. You're looking at some of the most basic things, how to jump, how to run, how to dash, how to climb. And even though you could probably have figured it out on your own, it's nice. You've gotten yourself oriented. And in the back of your mom's sedan, there's a moment there where you become a gamer. I firmly believe it. And the nice thing about this collector's edition experience that I've had with Monster Hunter World is it brought me back to that moment where I became a gamer. It's the equivalent of the manual. It's a little bit more grown up and comes with a couple more zeros, but I digress. It Man, is that gave the, me chills. Oh, there you go. But it is it is that throwback. And, you know, as I've actually, I got to throw it to the Purple Dungeon Squid because, you know, as I've gone through the process of really taking the time to digest games for what they are, which is an art medium, right? Which is not just, you know, the thing you jump into and, and dink around with on a controller, but, you know, a story ready to be told, a series of, you know, design choices and mechanics that are ready to be implemented, art more than anything, the art. I mean, man, like, you know, you, you look at a game like Horizon Zero Dawn, you look at a game like Breath of the Wild, you look at a game like Monster Hunter World, and the art is iconic, it's exciting to look at, and you get, I mean, me, I get almost as much enjoyment out of looking at those worlds and, and you know, taking a look at the concept art and what the designers of that, uh, of that art have tried to invoke than I do actually playing the game, right? And so to, to bring it all back, the Monster Hunter collect or the Monster Hunter uh, Collector's Edition comes with um, it comes with a couple digital goodies, some armor, uh, you know, some weapons, whatever. I haven't claimed those yet. I figure I will uh, after I after I finish the early parts of the game. But it comes with an art book, which is awesome. You know, full color. Like obviously, it's full color. It's fucking 2017. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's beautifully rendered. You know, you've got concept sketches of some of the monsters. You've got concept sketches of some of the armor. You have character models that are very detailed. It's just a cool book to leaf through after you know maybe chuffing a bone. Um, you know, it comes with a it comes with a, a like a, a model like a toy kind of. It's a sculpture, I guess, is what you would what you should call it of one of the uh, of one of the key monsters in the game. Very cool, you know, it'll sit on a shelf somewhere, but it's just a fun thing to open up, right? And, 
you know, the only thing that I think this collector's edition is missing is that they gave me the game in the same fucking jewel case that, you know, that you can get at retail. What and a that kind slap of, in the mouth. That sucked. I was like, man, this should come in like an art sleeve or this should come with an alternative cover. It sure as fuck shouldn't come with a, you know, a jewel case that a third of it is, you know, the PS4 logo. And then there's, you know, a, a one inch by one inch square in the top right that says PlayStation exclusive. I don't want to see that shit on my fucking collector. That's for peasants. What That's for deal? non. What's what the, the deal, deal there? No, thank you. But apart from that, the experience of opening up uh, Monster Hunter World was one of excitement and, you know, having that having that game uh, box or whatever, the the stuff that came in it to kind of stick in my little gaming layer and to, you know, maybe crack open in a year or just take a peek at it over time. I feel like it was worth the investment. I like it. I like it. So and that, that that's how you wax poetic about something. There's a future of collector's editions in your future. Yeah, well, this you know this whole thing has kind of sent me down a rabbit hole because the PS Vita. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um, how they released Undertale for uh, for Vita. Undertale is the name of it, right? Yeah, I haven't played it, but there's actually a company called Limited Release Games (LRG), mm-hmm. and they put out limited run physical copies of games that are available on Vita, and that to me is so cool because it's like it's a niche hobbyist thing. It's not available at retail, but you get a really cool, beautiful, generally speaking, beautifully designed with like the game's key art, of course, um, collector's copy. It's not ridiculously expensive to pick it up. And you end up with a physical copy of the game that only, you know, three or 4,000 people have, right? And so for me, it's like, that's a cool concept. Games that I really care about, I think genuinely I'm going to be picking up in CE moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's part of an experience. And what I love about the collector's edition is that you get this um, perspective of the concept art, which really is a lot of the ideas in their like primordial stages. And then you get the final outcome, which is the game. You can see how those, those, those initial concepts turned into the art that is the final form. And I, I dig that. And you can kind of see the ideas that get left behind for, for better or for worse and, and the ones that really got doubled down on. And I, I like that. I, I like to get in the head of a developer, you know, because it's such a collaborative art. You know, you can see everybody's little contributions and, and seeing, uh, you know, what was laid at the outset is the idea of the journey of its creation. I think that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you and seeing, you know, I'm, I'm more and more getting into that behind the scenes stuff where typically, you know, in the past it hasn't necessarily been the most exciting thing for me, but you just, you get something extra out of a, out of a, you know, a medium that you take the time to digest its journey kind of, uh, that I, I just, I really dig that experience. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, Oh, and just shout out to Zelda Breath of the Wild because they came out with the Adventurer's Edition. I don't know if you saw that, but it it comes with a proper fucking manual. First game I've bought with a manual in forever, and they not only gave you a manual, they give you like a 50-page leaflet with actual, practical, applicable advice on the game that gives you like a leg up but doesn't descend into spoiler territory that just, you know, the likes of which you're likely to run into online. It, it was a really cool thing. It displays to you a secret codex of knowledge. 
Yeah. I mean, it was funny because I haven't read a, you know, a, a video game manual and then played a video game since like the late nineties, but, but it was, it was cool because I sat down. It was, it was Christmas that I received breath of the wild from my lovely wife. Um, and you know, I was sitting on the ground reading the manual while the kids are playing with their new toys. And I came away from that experience reading it for like half an hour or whatever, knowing kind of what was going on, what I was about to experience. I didn't have to like read too many of the tool tips or wrap my brain around it. I already knew what to do. It was a cool experience. I think every game should come with a fucking manual. Here, here. Here, here, man. Here, here. You got to, I'm going to go so far as to say you put a manual in your game, your old pal Andy's going to buy it. He's going to purchase that game. He's going to get it in there. But, um, yeah, riding the Monster Hunter World wavelength just a little bit farther. I've just gotten into the starting hub, which is Astera. It's a beautifully rendered, you know, wooden plank town. Lots of meandering about, getting comfortable with job boards. Got a lot of holdovers. I mean, this is still Monster Hunter, man. Like, if you've played Monster Hunter before, this is the same game. It's just, it's smoothed down some of those edges around the periphery. It's a little bit more accessible to get into. I am sure that a lot of the archaic stuff, you know, the stuff that requires some deep internet diving to wrap your brain around is still probably there. But, you know, I've picked up a sword and a shield. I'm, uh, I'm about to start questing in the ancient forest, some beautiful tree-topped woods. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll probably, probably have some more thoughts as the weeks go on on this guy. I'm excited to dive in. You're at the cusp of something glorious, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also a pretty substantial multiplayer feature here, my dude. So we got to get you that game sooner or later. Because I think that, that this is probably like our, our streaming debut. I feel like we would do well on this one. So the question is, do you want to preconceive to me your Persona 4 bet, or are you going to keep it strong till June? It's a Persona 5 bet, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally not concede shit. Uh, does that mean you want to go double or nothing? Uh, ooh, man, you just, you're trying to raise the stakes. No, I'm sticking with my original bet, and you're going <laughs> to find yourself weeping and purchasing me. I'm, I'm still mapping out the game I want, but rest assured, it'll be a collector's edition. To be continued, my lamentations. Andy, yes, what do we got to get done before the smoke sesh? Uh, well, I mean, realistically, uh, there's no one holding a poker to our feet. We could go to the smoke sesh right now if you want it. I think I have a contractual obligation to talk about a game I play, don't I? Uh, are you getting cut in and I'm not? Is there something I should know? Well, you made me sign that contract. And there's some weird sex stuff in there, I have to say. <laughs> Listen, man, if you're, not making a, if you're not making a contract with some weird sex stuff in it, what are you going to backpedal from? Doing? What, what are you even doing? doing? Right. Talk to me. What did, you, what did you play this week, man? What did you get man, up I to? Cr I cracked open Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the second installment in the rebooted series. And you're asking my, yourself, Dan, did you play the first one? And the answer is both no and yes. I played the first Deus Ex, but not the first one in this rebooted series. So I popped in midstream. And, uh, you know, just on the outset, what I loved about when I fired this game up, it said, hey, did you want to watch a 12-minute video about what happened in the last game? And I respected that because, number one, it knew that I might have pulled the rookie move of jumping in right in the midst of things. And it right. also let me know what I was in for. You know what I mean? It's like that dialogue option in a uh, text-based RPG when the, the NPC's gone on for quite a while. And he's like, did you want me to continue? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, uh, I got you. On that. Sorry, is this on PS4 that you're playing? Yeah, I'm playing it on PS4. And, uh, you know, I got to say, uh, just like I, I eased into this game and, you know, you can tell it's a flushed out world. 
Uh, I was listening to the story beats in this 12-minute video, and the, the thrust of it is uh, in the dystopic uh, cyberpunk future of, let's call it 2048, not sure if that's the time, uh, augmented humans uh, have uh, become available, and, and they were previously available to the extremely rich, uh, and you know the, the rich would have augmentations for them. Uh, <clears throat> You know, cybernetic arms, legs, eyes, liver, kidneys. Uh, the usual you, future shit. You, whatever you need. And, it's, uh, you know, I, 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 that was the first beat of this 12-minute regalia. And I was like, okay. And it, it, it went through 10 more high-octane beats. And I was like, this first game was a heater. But essentially, uh, spoilers for the first game, um, the augments were uh, built with a switch that turned them into hardcore mode, which made you go into a rage and kill everyone around you, which, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the main character hopefully um, uh, puts a, a stop to, but the uh, the damage has been done. So in the second game, uh, the um, super elite augments have now been lowered to this untrusted uh, underclass. Where they, you know, you're going through checkpoints, and there's a normies checkpoint, and there's an aug checkpoint, and you're given that extra super scrutiny. So, you know, the world has sort of changed against the augments, and uh, you know, as you jump into it, uh, you are an elite badass, and I, I like a game that starts with that. Um, you know, with a host of augments at your disposal, you're sort of Nakatomi Plaza taking down um, a threat in a high rise. And it took me a little while to really get adjusted to this game. It's a first-person, uh, I would call it stealth uh, cyberpunk shooter in that order. Because, you know, there, there are elements of sneaking, hacking, and shooting. And, and it seems to prioritize in that order. And normally you're looking through the eyes of your character. You can't see, uh, you know, your, your body. But when you're jumping into cover, you do get to see yourself. And I'm told this cover system is new to this game and it was a nice per perk um so you know what i love about this game is the ambiance the music is very shadow runny uh, dystopic future you know uh the game emphasizes stealth uh you know there does a good job of letting you know where the enemies are if you do get spotted you kind of know what went wrong and every situation that i came across in this game i could tell that they had laid out a litany of ways to solve it are you going to hack your way you know um, past the security are you going to run and gun this thing um, you know or are you going to sneak your way through uh, and i i really dig this about a game um, right I, you know as i started peeling back the layers of the story you know it start the game started revealing really what it had under the hood which is really meaningful main quests and side quests with nuanced sort of um uh, elements uh there's a document forger that uh, you know, really would like to uh, take some of your money to forge documents, but he's asking way too much. And if you do a little poking around, and I'm I kind of a sneaky, climby type, so I climbed around and found, uh, you know, a, 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 a note from the the forging person inside. There's actually a young girl who wants to escape. So you kind of get the idea. Oh, if I help this girl escape, she's going to make me some documents. Uh, you know, oh, that's there's neat. there's another gentleman that's selling information, but will only do it for uh, a drug called neurazine and then you know you find there's a neurazine dealer nearby after you talk to people um you know and you kind of say hey if i beat the ever-living shit out of these guys i bet some neurazine will fall out 
<laughs> if I turn these guys into a loot pinata, I'm sure there's drugs. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And so, uh, you know, some real big high points. And and I should mention, as you converse with NPCs, you get something that you almost never get, especially in a game of this age. And I've been treated to two games back to back with great, great voice acting dialogue. You can really? chat nice. it up. Yeah, you can chat it up with NPCs. Uh, and, and have a real meaningful experience. Um, so uh, just to let, let everybody know, I'm about seven hours into this game, and I am teetering on the cusp of extremely interested. And I, I, right before the podcast, I actually squeezed another 30 minutes, and it, it warmed me back up to it. But I got, I got a couple of sticking points on this game um, that I got to air out. Right, I mean, it, before, you, before you go there, before you go there, Please. I just want to wrap my brain around it a little bit because here's yeah. the question that's burning in my mind. How's burning. the hacking, man? That's, that's the thing that got my, my attention. I remember playing Shadowrun on the Genesis and that was one of my favorite games on the Genesis. And hacking, like for the time, obviously it's today's standards, not particularly good, but hacking was the most fun in that game. That's why you play a cyberpunk game. The, I didn't play the um, original Deus Ex, didn't play any of this shit. Um, and so tell me, is it good? So I'm going to have to drop down the Power Glove Gauntlet. The Superior Shadowrun hacking ex- game is the one for Super Nintendo. But I will give you points. The Genesis version where you're an avatar just gliding through cyberspace, it did have something. Um, this is closer to the Super Nintendo version where you are, um, you started a jack-in point. You're looking at an isometric display, which is like a viewing down onto nodes and file repositories and servers and FTP hubs. They're all connected through lines. And every hub you jump through, uh, you have a chance of alerting an alarm, which will start a trace program. Uh, and you kind of have to get to your final destination before, you, uh, before you're alerted. And you have your normal hacking abilities, which is essentially hit X to hack. And you go down to the next one, hit X. And those branching pathways, you can go around this way to get to the end point or that way nodes have different levels of security um, and you have software consumable software that you pick up through the game that you can you know nuke an access point which means you capture it right away or drop a right. worm which stops the trace program for a part of time and things of that nature um, it's fairly straightforward the, the hacking sections are pretty quick they are challenging but you know here comes what's one of, what's what's challenging right? about them though it's it sounds like you're hitting, you're hitting, you you're hitting to, X and you, managing you resources? Pick, you have to pick an ideal path so as the clock doesn't run down before you've hit your, um, you have, before you've hit your objective. Because if you're traced, the system locks out and you're done. And in many cases, you only have 10 seconds to sort of pick a path to where you're going. And there's an element of, of randomness to it, right? So you're trying not to spend too many programs and choosing your pathway correctly. And there are some secret trips and alarms and in certain places where you might trip an additional program. And so it's, it's pretty fast-paced. And admitted, I've only uh, hacked level one systems. Um, there's actually some uh, one system I encountered that it's got like a fog of war around it. So you can only see the very next hop in the line of things you're hacking. And they're branching paths, right? So it, it adds a, like an element of mystery. So... Herein lies one of my beefs with this right. bad boy. I hack a computer. I'm excited to hack it. There's some resources spent. I, I pop a program. I get to the end. Ching! You get your hundred experience. You know, five experience for first try. Twenty-five percent for not using a program. Whatever, whatever. What do you think you gain access to? 
Ooh, some, uh, I don't know, <laughs> some, some secret super weapon. You get access to some emails. Do they have anything <laughs> to do with you? <laughs> fucking, no. fucking what? Fucking some emails. What? Three emails okay. that have to do with somebody taking a job in another city. I'm just like, oh, what? I mean, listen, I can, I can, I can understand the argument. They're creating some like backstory and like, you know, I, I get it. Every time you hack into something, it shouldn't necessarily result in something useful. That's the risk you take of hacking something. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. No. You know what you should do with your super badass? Have him balance his checkbook. It's a sensible <laughs> thing to do. I, I get time it. Time to get hack it. into my Excel software. It's got I pivot know. tables. That being said, sometimes, you know, my, my, Avatar and Morrowind spent some time quietly reading in the libraries of, of Vivek. Boy, yeah, I, I just I need listen, like a I need like a cloak someone, to say that shit. <laughs> but I'm not that jackass. I, so yeah, yeah. here's an here's an, and I I'm a completionist, but so there's ebooks you can pick up around town, and um, I find myself picking these up. It's nine pages of flavor text, which I know some people love, but I'm like, no, no, I, yeah, I, and we talked about this. this. I just I feel like it being there doesn't harm the experience no, though. What what, it do you, doesn't. what are you what are you hating on? So here's what here's what I do now when I pick up an email. I scan it for codes and clues. Like I do a speed read through it. Because I listen, I just don't I just can't. Don't make but me. someone might say that that's exactly what your character would do. Isn't that some meta shit right there? Uh, uh, objection sustained. Overruled. So um that's great. You know, the second thing is Idios uh, Montreal has done a great job of like making a dystopic future that feels very explorable. Love climbing around and, and going into apartments and getting those little secret pickups. I'm all about sneaking around. And I love that every mission has so many ways to complete it. And it really does feel like uh, a police state has descended, descended, descended onto the city. And as I'm playing this hyper elite uh, bionic assassin, the f the perspective gets to me. And I was playing Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, action third person. The she moves beautiful, she shoots beautiful. Then I I'm playing uh, Adam Jensen, I believe his name is. And when he's in his first person view, it feels like I'm playing a monitor on a swivel chair. Yeah, the first the first person RPG thing is. Is not my favorite either. I'll be honest. It's like you're moving around and like turning. You're moving around. You're swivelly office chair with a monitor on it, with a pair of googly eyes, and you got to examine the whole world by rolling over to it and then like looking down and around at it. Dude, you and are so right. It's it's like literally if you've ever FaceTimed someone and they're trying to get you to look like, like you're at the grocery store or something like that. And you know your wife FaceTimes you to show you something that's going on at home. That's the experience of a first-person RPG. It doesn't feel like I'm in the action. It feels like you think you're giving me realism, but what you're actually giving me is just less fun. Yeah, and you know the game is beautiful, and, and I am so inclined to explore it all. But it sets a tempo for the game, like very much like Fallout Three, any of the recent Bethesda releases. It just slows your progression through it, so you have to go over every inch. And point your face at everything, and and look around to it. it like, especially when we've extended. That works when you're in a you know a, an armored mech suit, and you kind of feel a little clunky. That makes sense. When I'm supposed to be a lithe bionic assassin man, I want to feel a little bit of that. And, yeah. You know, it made an er I made an early decision in this game uh, because of all that clunkiness 
to basically forego any weaponry of any kind. I I have maybe fired my gun three times. Majority, I've gone down and just bumped guys with stealth takedowns. Um, and uh, I also made the decision, because I like to make games both artificially hard, doing a stealth, non-lethal playthrough, but also uh, mechanically hard by setting it onto the fourth and highest difficulty available. So far, so good. Um, oh, so you play you play your games a lot like you have your conversations. I make them painful. No. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, here's, here's the other thing. Uh, this cha-ching... So that was my grinder. That oh was my no. grinder, folks. You're thinking about the smoke session, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. But no, no, keep, please continue. Please. Go on in great detail. Um, no, but, you know, something that I love about this game is the idea of bionic enhancements. Drops me in the game. I got 16 enhancements. My lungs are, are breathing poison. I'm jumping super high. I'm punching through walls. Love it. It does one of these things where the Act 1D power happens. Oh, and no. That's right. You lose all your augs in a very cool session, and, and you have to go talk to this cyber specialist and beat up some thugs, and I love it. And he explains how you not only have uh, – he's accidentally factory reset your augs, but you have secret augs you can access later. So Yeah, I, I, the, the deep power thing, that is – that has got to be one of the worst ways to introduce someone into a game. Like, I mean, the idea of here's all the powerful shit you get to use later, but for now, your character is a limp fucking mule. I can see what you're trying to do. You're trying to create the something to to aspire to. You're trying to give them just a taste so that they'll, you know, they'll jump through the hoops to get it back. I do not like that that device. I think that that sucks. I think it leaves me feeling like, oh, okay, well. That was fun. This is not fun. And now you're you're giving me a very direct comparison to what I wanted to do versus what I'm doing. You got it, Brohim. And I got to say, a lot of these base abilities didn't feel like letting me have them would have hurt that much. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't give me the, the, the slick shit. Leave those, you know, those special upgrades you're talking about inaccessible. But give me like tier one of everything. I got tier zero, and given you do have up some Praxis points, that's what the upgrade ability or upgrade um, points are called. I had something like six or seven for me to turn a couple things online, but I literally had uh, you know five abilities I could turn on that were active, and now I have zero. And I'm right. like, the, if the game was not so well put together and the ambiance and all that jazz, I'd be out the door. You'd be, be out that'd straight be out. out that door. That'd be a hard pass. You know, the it's. I want to go back to the first person RPG thing because, like, this is a realization I've come to so many times before. Uh, Morrowind being, an, you know, an early example. Oblivion, uh, Fallout, um, of course, uh, Skyrim. Um, you know, all of these. For actually, a, a notable example is Bioshock, a game that everyone loved and I hated for a lot of reasons, but. There's just something about the first-person RPG that feels like shit. I would say that Skyrim, for example, which I think is pretty unanimously an exceptional game, Skyrim has been an incredible barrier for entry or to entry for me because I love everything it's doing. I love the setting. I love the uh, you know the expansion. Ex- how can I put this? The um, expansive ex- nature of the world. Yeah, the how huge it feels. I love that there's so much to do and there's 
you know, all of that feels great to me. And then you get in the game and the combat and the sneaking and the, the, even the traveling just feels like such a fucking molasses laden chore. Uh, it, it just, it, I find that Skyrim succeeds in spite of its choice to be a first person action game or sorry, a third, pardon me, a first person RPG. Um, this, you know, I, it, it, it does not make it a better game in my opinion. And well, I, I think that this is probably the same in Skyrim and see your dude, right? Yeah. But it, it very much doesn't feel like a game that was designed to be played in third person. Right. mode. I feel you. I feel you. Um, you know, if this game could zoom out, I would really love it. Um, because it, it it does nice gets it is nice to get some perspective. So you know, add on to that the, the the my highest criticism of this game is you have something that runs your augs. It's a it's a pool of of energy called I think it's the bio energy pool. So you have health and you have bio energy. So I'm okay with the first part, which is you use an aug, you deplete some bio energy. No big right. deal. It's like mana. No big deal. I'm out of mana. What gets me is the next two elements of this. Every time you use an aug, not only does it deplete the energy, but it depletes your total pool of energy. So if you have 100 oh. and you use an ability that takes it down to 80 and below, it'll recharge up to 80 but not up to 100. And then the next one, down and down and down until you get a default of like 15 points that is the minimum and it'll recharge to there. And, and to, to really put a cherry on that, the gameplay style I'm playing with stealth, stealth and, and, and sneaky, when I stealth take someone down, which is like you jump out and punch them in the face, that uses like 20 points of bioenergy. Yeah, yuck. yuck. Uh, punching but someone in the face takes bioenergy? And I, I'm a hoarder, you know what I mean, of items. And it makes me like some of the base elements of the game cost this this bioenergy and it, it just it just sucks some of the fun having out for me and i just it feels unnecessary and the, the only time that you feel like super cool and robotic is when you're smashing these guys down because you you do it pretty uh, with some agility and some panage you turn from from your office chair with the monitor onto it to a, a, a legitimate legitimate badass right but then right back to it and you paid yourself you know 20 percent of your total pool to do so so you know uh I, I got my gripes, but I'm enjoying it. Andy, have you played any of the Deus Exes? I have not. I've not played a Deus Ex game. I think I got the original as like a freebie and like a, another game that I purchased. Played it for a couple minutes. Wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but, you know, you, what you said is about the resource management. I think, listen, I think resource management can be a really great tool in games, right? But only when it makes things feel, um, it, it makes for interesting decisions, not you know, fundamentally limiting the the scope of what you can do with your character, right? Like, what's a good example of resource management? Resource management is managing your health potions through a through a dungeon, right? You know, you just you're metering through it. You're trying to it 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 naturally forces you to um, use your abilities to overcome the objectives with to the with the minimal amount of impact to your health possible. But when you're what you're talking about is you know, the bioenergy pool or what have you literally governs what you can do as a character. And so the, the main mechanism of the game. 
Yeah. And so it, to me, I can put myself in the shoes of, of playing that game and say, I would be sitting there not actively not using my abilities because I would want to naturally save them for later. Like that's, that's the, the kind of the RPG trap you fall into. I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. But when that's, when that's literally the abilities that you have that make your character fun to play, that make the game what it is to me, that's a big miss. Yeah, and I, I don't have a sensation of how rare these biocells are. And maybe that's a factor of not playing the previous games as well. But as far as I can tell, the game has one main crafting resource, which is called, I think, like crafting parts. And you pick them up, and you can build a number of things with them, and one of them is these biocells, and they seem to be in short supply, which right. initiates my curmudgeon reflex even harder. You know, the self that gets to the end of Final Fantasy VII, with every X potion ever exposed in the game, I got them all. You know, you got so, you got everything. Yep, yeah, you got all the all the Phoenix Downs. <laughs> you've you've reset every time someone dies. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's 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 only increased my sickness. So I am gonna continue this game. It does have another ten hours for me. The story beats in the world are engrossing enough, and you know maybe maybe I just haven't got into the vibe of what it's pitching. I feel like I'm a little bit ruined by uh the masterpiece that is hideo kojama's uh kojima's uh, metal gear if i want to go by behind someone and choke them unconscious i shouldn't have to use my robot super strength you can do that with normal strength it's easy let me show you lightning round uh metal gear solid solid snake or splinter cell sam fisher solid snake all the way solid snake all day sam fisher is a is a f- fucking cuck you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> he's he's taking the red pull pill to Cucktown. <laughs> the red pill, the red train to Cuckville. Uh, yeah, no, Sam. So uh, totally irrelevant to the conversation. But uh, Splinter Cell, one of the uh, one of the games that I beat on my on my Xbox. Um, that platform didn't see a lot of playtime. Uh, beat it and hated every second of it. So my hat <laughs> off to you, I hated Sam. Hated myself at every beat. I was going through this phase where I was like, if I buy a game, I must beat it. And that was one of those that I bought during that dark, dark period. Sam Fisher, you got way more time than you deserved. Sometimes you got to just say no. Sometimes you got to say no to Sam Fisher. You know, what this brings up for me is that I really want a Matrix RPG. You know, the cyberpunk thing I find very attractive. Like Shadowrun is one of my favorite IPs. Um, I'm, I, I was a big fan of the Genesis game. I haven't played any of the newer ones. I think you played like a 3d isometric one a little while ago, right? Of what? A, a shadow run game. Oh yeah. I played th- three of them. Tremendous. Oh, nice. Okay. I got that's PC though, right? Yeah. Wah, wah, Mac Steam, guy over Steam, here. Steam. Steam. Oh, maybe, maybe they're available on Mac. I don't know. Yeah. Get in uh, there. Yeah, get in there. So, you know, all of that is good and well. I feel like the RPG that I want made right now is is straight Matrix. I just I'm 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 itching for like a return to that series. I think the only video game, the only video game of note that the Matrix ever got was um uh well, Max Payne. No, that's a bad bad No, example. they did a couple uh, Matrix games that were good. That were good and had RPG elements. Did um, they? Yeah. I, rem- I remember the Matrix Online. Like, I was really into MMOs at around the time that the Matrix Online was coming out, and I enjoyed that one thoroughly. But I didn't know there was, was there like, uh, like console games for, for yeah, the Matrix? Yeah, there was a PC PlayStation release, and it, it, it does a pretty good job, actually. Interesting. Okay. That was one of those early 2000s polygonal horrors, I imagine. Um, it was smooth enough that it did a good job. Like, I didn't hate what I was playing. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. Yeah, call back to Max Payne, which is an exceptional game. Love the shit out of that one. The but. rain was coming down the city like oh, so gritty. the devil's parade. 
So noir. I, I nailed it, really. Were you? Did you secretly do the oration for Nax Payne? My head was throbbing, throbbing with memories that I couldn't suppress. Oh, I still hear her crying. You're a disturbed, sick individual. Uh, and on that note, do you want to head over to the smoke sesh? Ha <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, let's go. Welcome to the smoke session. Oh, it sounded refreshing. It was like a Sprite commercial in my ear. <laughs> Hip hop, lemon lime, sucker. Ah, yeah, a little bit less, a uh, little bit less LeBron James, a little bit more wackadoodle, but uh, I can get down with it. Wackadoots in your fruits, Andy. What are you hooting on today? Oh man! So I got a shout out to uh, a little bit of gear that we uh, we got here at the old Purple Dungeon Squid um, from our good friends over at Knuckle Puffer. Yes, we got a mail day here, Dank Dan, and I got to get you over your piece. But the Knuckle Puffer guys available at whatever knucklepuffer.com, I want to say, probably, maybe. You could probably Google it. <laughs> I haven't looked yet, but those guys are real friendly. They sent us a whole pack of Knuckle Puffers. Now, can you guess what a Knuckle Puffer is, Dan? Is it the method of smoking marijuana when you've had 30% of each of your fingers blown off? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is. It is a war trauma device. Now it's uh, it is a wonderful little ring that fits on the outset of your index finger. Or really any um, finger. Any finger that you you like. It's it's malleable that way. I think it's made of silicone, and it holds a joint. It holds a joint or it holds a blunt. And you might think to yourself, why would I need such a contraption? And I'm very quickly finding that uh, in between bouts of getting my ass. Uh, destroyed by um, by my good buddy at Street Fighter 4, uh, I've been able to just daintily puff along on a joint that is strapped to my hand. <laughs> it's, just, it's a novelty. It's crazy. But it's actually kind of cool. So <laughs> we're going to do uh, probably a giveaway in the near future with a couple knuckle puffers. Those, uh, they, sent, they were generous enough to send us over a bunch of them. Um, and they're just, just overall a cool thing, man. If you're out doing your thing, smoking a joint, you can uh, you can have it strapped to your finger. And that way, you don't have to think about holding it, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's something Knuckle there. Puffer. Something yeah. there for sure. Yeah. So we'll we'll get some. Well, yeah, I think uh, together you and I should probably have a gaming session. We'll strap on the knuckle puffers. We'll take a little video footage. It'll be a good time. I'm in. I dig. And in the same vein, guess what I found at the local convenience store the other Ooh, day? Ooh, what'd you drum up? I got some more gear. Some waterproof zigzags. I have. <laughs> I had no idea these are in existence. Waterproof rolling papers. What do you mean, but why? But this solves why? so many problems. Number one. When Bear you... Grylls sometimes likes to fucking cheap down. No, dude. First and foremost, it keeps your joint way crisper when you're doing your whole lickety joint thing, right? It just it stops it from getting soggy along the seam. That's number one. Um, it comes in a cool little mint package, which I'm really digging. You know, I, I don't know what it is. Like, Listen, there are a lot of great rolling papers out there on the market. Raw, I'm looking at you. OCB, I'm looking at you. Juicy J is looking at you. HBI doing a great job way up top. But for my money, there's something nostalgic about zigzags. And anytime I find 
a zigzag with a unique package or something like that. I always buy one because why not, right? And so this these guys come in like a fun mint colored package. There's some up on the Instagram feed if you want to take a take a boo, take a boo at those waterproof zigzags. But hear me out, man. Smoking on the beach, smoking at the cottage, smoking on a boat, smoking while you're fishing, waterproof, smoking in the rain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's great. That's great stuff right there. Soggy joints are a sad, sad state of affairs. Oh, don't get and no longer soggy. Don't do that. That sucks. It sucks because, like, the thing is, is it gets soggy in some spots and it stops burning, and then the rest of it canoes. That's just not for me. So now I got waterproof zigzags. If there's a threat of rain, I will be rolling one up waterproof. You dig? I dig. I like it. I like it. What are you smoking on today, Dan? What do you got in your oh, clutches? Buddy. Oh, buddy, I got the one, the only. The penultimate Alaskan Thunderfuck. <laughs> the Alaskan Thunderfuck. That's incredible. Um, and similarly, uh, I would really like to be there with you. I'm sad that I don't get a chance to try this guy today. This was shipped to me express. From the from from, uh, from the, a polar bear. From, from a dank the polar bear. Of Klikspengliknia uh, province in Russia. Um, just over the uh, the Himalayas, and uh, I think I think we're in for a treat. <laughs> so leave it to the Russians to call something. Eh, this is should we call it Moscow Thunderfuck? No, 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 no. Alaska, yes. We much will better. be taking over the continent very soon. Oh we yes. Name our strain from what we will do. Oh goodness! Yeah, the uh, in between meddling with elections, you can be you can count on the Russians to grow some Alaskan thunderfuck. Oh, buddy, they got their eyes on the midterm. Mm, well, that's it, man. That's it. Look at that. Even Putin's getting in on the green rush. We promise we won't meddle in next election. Try our dank weed. <laughs> I got some. I got some super crit. So I got to ask you. For a fan of RPGs, for a fan of Vidya Games, is there a better name for a weed strain than Super Crit? Because that's what I want to be doing all the time. Yeah, man, that I, Super Crit. I dig that name. However, I can't dig this Mother Hubbard up on any of the sites. Does it super go by Crit Marijuana Strain? I think you'll find it. I think does it find go? It. Does it go by another name? Uh, I don't think so, man. I think Super Crit is just Super Crit. Well, yeah, I you have can find super, it on All Bud. I have Super Critical on All Bud. If oh, ex- excuse me. Yes, Crit is the is the slang strain. That's what us uh, that's what us folks in the know call it. But I it is see. indeed Super Critical. Yes, yeah, very critical. well, very well, very well. I'm gonna crack this guy open. I got a nice now. I, I'm I'm trying to brush up on my weed vernacular. I think when you got a nice long bud, it's called a cola. Am I wrong on that one? What's a cola? Marijuana I a, cola. I think a cola is just a portion of the plant, but I mean, go for it. Eat, it's eat a ref- somebody. Live a little. It's a refreshing beverage to be eaten with a burger and a Coke. Five things you need to know about the cannabis cola. It's the flowering site of a female cannabis plant. I, I just I think that I uh, I think that I've I've probably have to dive too deep to get into the real anatomy here. But um, suffice to say, no, we're not doing that. We're not getting medical on this guy. There's no there's not going to be any surgery on this bud today. But uh, suffice to say, I got a nice long bud here. Um, it's a little how can I put it? So we got, we're a little it's it's dense but a little flaky. As I'm like kind of yourself. boom <laughs> boom hey got a looch. Um, you know as I'm as I'm kind of feeling up the nug here. Um, hashtag. Feeling it up. 
Handsy with my brandy. Handsy with my dude here. Um, yeah, it's flaking apart. I got some of the exterior leaves just sort of falling gently to the ground. Very frosty nug. Very frosty nug. Short, tight hairs. Um, just, oh, and as I've cracked it open, it is very pungent. I got a deep, up from up here, I got a deep kind of, um, got that deep kind of fudgy, I, you know, I, I almost want to say that, you know, skunky smell, but it's not skunky. It's like, it's like a, a sweeter, chocolatier, fudgier kind of skunk. Oh, but as I get in close, man, it's like smelling. So I'm getting, I got a red velvet cake going on here. I got a little wow. bit of spice, a little bit of, uh. Like milk, chocolate, and cinnamon going on. Oh, that is delicious. Wow, what a smell. It's been a while since, I mean, I don't know if I've ever smelled anything more delicious smelling than this right now. I just want to give it a lick. And like at the very end, there's a little bit of pineapple. So yeah, I got, I got like spicy cinnamon up front, some fudgy milk chocolate in the middle, and then right at the end, it gets, uh, gets a little fruity and uh, does this pineapple thing. Cool. I'm okay, ready to buddy. give this guy a bad boy. Do you want to chow down on that? Yeah, I'll get I'll get a bowl packed over here. Why don't you tell us about your uh, Alaskan Thunder Fook? Okay. Now this this is a fat fat nug, and it feels like a center section. Um, this was express posted to me, so I, I don't have a lot uh, to go on. But it's it's about the size of my grinder, my tiny grinder, and width. It's thick and it's dense and it's sticky. And it's got, Ooh. it's kind of intermingling here with uh, sort of a purple and brownie hairs. And yep. uh, it's got it's, some perp in there, right? Eh? It's crystally like it is it as I'm touching it. Um, I'm feeling the, the stickiness, the residue coming off on my fingers. And oh, from Russia with love. Oh, man. And let me tell you, as I pull this thing apart, I can smell the waft of, and I can get a little closer on this thing. Pine, lemon, and an undeniable skunk uppercut right in my uh, <laughs> facial taint. That it actually stank it stings dank. the eyes a little bit, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, you know that you know you're in for a say, treat. At the end, there's like a fresh mint. And mint? I haven't smelled mint in, in the marijuana. Um, in recent memory at all um, but it's like that's actually a little bit of what's stinging my eyes you know when you get like a powerful mint and you can feel like effervescently rise into your your peepers oh yeah right in the uh, uh, right in the eye holes i'm getting it in the peepers big time all right well big big peepers go home all right saying words <laughs> <laughs> gonna give gonna give this super critical a little puffing on give me a sec you want to you want to go a two for one here you want to want to tee off again do you want me to start reading the description as Jeremy Irons instead? Uh, I'd like you to read the description. I don't know about it. I think Jeremy, <laughs> I think Jeremy Super might Super uh, critical. No, belongs to God the category damn. of indica dominant strains. It is a hybrid strain that was produced after crossing skunk number one with big butt. It is an extremely powerful strain with Spanish genetics, which has effects similar to those Produced by narcotics. <laughs> oh, okay. It's That's THC terrifying. level ranging from 12 to 16%. Has a strong smell resembling that of a fruit skunk. 
<coughs> Yikes. <clears throat> so I, with all of this, um, boy, with all of this upfront flavor going in on the bud. Fresh fruit flavor. Yeah. With all of that, um, it, it, the actual smoking of it has just kind of a one spicy note going on. Um, you know, the, the smoke was a little bit harsh. It, it hit the back of my, th- like I was, it was, everything was cool until it hit the back of my throat. And there was a little bit of that prickle that you feel sometimes. Um, that being said, pr- a pleasant smoke, nothing, nothing wrong with it. It was a little thin, like the smoke was a little thin in my mouth. And the, uh, yeah, the exhale was like pure cinnamon, just, just like a spice. Fascinating. Yeah, buddy. As you, as you chom down on that, I can see here in the description, we got spicy, skunky, pungent, herbal, and earthy. Oh, wow. Okay. So I feel like I was kind of right on the money on that one. Um, the effects have been, let me see. I just, you know, I've just had a, a little bowl on a Sherlock here, so nothing too insane. Um, I'm still very, you know, alert, very upbeat, nothing too crazy going on. Uh, feeling a bit of relaxation kind of at the base of my spine, which is nice. Um, but overall, just, uh, you know, feeling a little bit more energized, which is strange because this is an Indica, right? Indica dominant hybrid. That is correct. Yeah. Well, I'm not feeling that deep relaxation that I typically get out of the uh, out of those Indicas, but we'll see. And sorry, it was skunk crossed with big butt. Big bud. Oh, sorry, Jeremy. I uh, I heard big 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 butt. Big butt. <laughs> I heard it again. Big butt. Thanks, Jeremy. And I cannot lie. Oh, you all other... you other brothers cannot deny. Cannot when a deny. The girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face. You get sprung. Um, should I try ch- chom down on this, my man? Yeah, I'm just finishing off this super critical. It's um, super effective. Is it effective? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just you know, going a little deeper on the bowl, there's there's a there's a bit of a smokiness to it at the at the very end. Um, but you know, other than that, feeling uh, feeling pretty good about it. Now it's it's settling into my periphery a little bit. Feeling I, I, how could I put it? The expression would be have to be loosey goosey. Got a little loosey goosiness going on. You got some hibbities and your jibbities. Hibbities and jibbities. All right, okay. man. Why don't you why don't you get in on that? Alaskan Thunderfuck. I'm going to smash down on this Alaskan Thunderfuck in um, a highly secretive prototype Sherlock pipe. Oh. Nope. Actually, I've changed my mind. I need the bubbliness. And I'm going to light it with uh, a very kind gift, a lighter from Cannabis.ca. Let's see what we got here. Ooh, nice. There you go. Alaskan Thunderfuck is a legendary sativa-dominant strain originating in the Matanuska Valley area of Alaska. Oh, it's not from Russia. Oh, maybe it is from Russia. According to the legend, it was originally a Northern California sativa crossed with a Russian ruderalis. But sometime in the late 1970s, it was crossed with Afghani genetics to make it hardier. So you're right, it does have that Russian heritage. ATF usually presents large, beautifully frosted buds with incredibly strong odors of pine, Lemon. Oh, dude, you got menthol in here. It, Pine, lemon, it menthol, and skunk. Eyes. Yeah. Known for possessing a relaxing yet intensely euphoric high, it is also described as having a creeper effect as well as pronounced appetite enhancement. Nice. Um, so um, the taste is nice. It's pleasant. It's warm. You, mostly the earthy flavors come through. Yes. Um, I think maybe <coughs> because of the menthol touch, it's heavy in the throat. Um, right. 
really caught me in the throat. Uh, I am a little bit of a Sally when it comes to that. So, I mean, more more brave smokers can probably abound from such an experience. But uh, I, I will I will continue to dose in small quantities and not uh, belly up to this particular bar. Yeah, that sounds like not a not a bong not a bong fella there. Not a not a big old bong fella. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. This is a pretty um, what is it? Pretty it's a ten to twelve percent THC strain. This uh, supercritical thunderfuck. No, the supercritical twelve to sixteen, my liege. I mean, that's still that's still relatively low in the spectrum of uh, buddy. Of that's THC. medium. P- fucking drop the act. Medium. Middling. There's like an arms race to get, you know, north of 26, 28. This is you know, 89. My face didn't melt off. <laughs> the, the, the corner isn't calling my next of kin. What is this? It wasn't It wasn't a disparaging thing, though, man, because like I genuinely like milder strains. I'm, Rod, I'm yeah. not a, yeah, I, you know, I like being able to, you know, puff leisurely on it without worrying about whether I'm going to be blasting off into, you know, the outer space or, or if I can just comfortably sort of sit back and read a book. <laughs> so. If you ask someone's dad, that's, that's what they'll tell you about, uh, uh, you know, pot and the evolution of pot. They're like, you couldn't really go off the path into the danger zone in the 70s. You just right. it was difficult. You know what I mean? Just because the strains hasn't been concentrated to that point, and uh, you know probably edibles weren't as prolific. Now someone can hand you a gummy bear, which will launch you to the third moon of Jupiter. Oh yeah, man! You can you can get real deep, and admittedly, that's not really my journey, right? And I respect no. folks who you, there's a lot of applications for cannabis and a lot of reasons why people use it, and so I can respect folks who want a really strong, you know, go deep kind of high. I just almost never find myself in a position where that's the desired outcome. Yeah, I want some I relaxation. I don't need to yeah. meet uh, like a fifth dimensional being presently. Yes, yes. I uh, I I was in space. I met a glowing man named Nudie, and uh, here we are on the reserve experiencing pure bliss. He showed me an impossibly high number. I don't know how to explain it to you. And then he showed me the true essence of love, but only for a brief minute or a moment till my human fear took over and he had to coax me back to a safe place. Of course. And what does the true meaning of love feel like, Dan? I think, it, I think it's an O. Henry bar. Oh, man, we gotta not plug Oh Henry. Although, guys, Canadian brand, Canadian yeah, so brands. Canadian so I, brand. I got, I got your, I got your Alaskan Thunderfuck. Uh, most helpful review was by Cujo four twenty. After one hit, <laughs> woof! After one, <laughs> after one hit, I was high. After two, I was woof stoned. But when the bowl was gone, so was I. I, I I'm glad that that was brought to us by Mickey Mess. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't particularly dog like. Not a lot of canine in give there. Give me give me what Disney thinks. Oh, give me what somebody thinks is a dog voice. Give me not goofy, but maybe not goofy. Uh, were there words? Was there a cohesive thought on what you just oh, said? Oh, absolutely. Um, let me try and get down to it. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can jump up. Cujo four twenty. Gosh, after one hit, I was high. This isn't going well. After two, I was stoned. But when the bull was gone, so was I. You went from Goofy goofy. to Grandpa real quick. We went from Goofy to Mr. Magoo in about three seconds. I missed that one. That was a straight miss. Gosh, can't do it. Not there. Yeah. Well, listen, this is why you're not making the big bucks as a Disney voiceover guy. (sighs) 
back to the drawing board. I mean, listen, man, I wouldn't mind be getting being getting some uh, being getting some yeah be, getting some of them Disney royalty checks. I wouldn't mind being the guy who said a thing on Beauty and the Beast. I'd be all right with that. That'd be all right. That'd be okay. I heard the voice of Porky Pig talk about his job safety, and the voice of Porky Pig guys like uh, take a word, and I I, I I I like put a bunch of little moments in between them and because i can do that i have job security so I was, he goes he doesn't say like let's uh like uh let's uh go over there let's, he's like uh let's go, go, go over there let's just stay over there let's go, 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 go over there because, this is the so, darkest so porky goes, pig i've ever heard yeah he goes a but even up he's like a, a good to just stay so, you know and he, he has a way of partic- like participating it he can speak in that meter and he's like, because I can do that, I have job security. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a lock for this voice. Nobody can just come in and do it. Nobody can scoop in on his, uh, on his hot porky pig racket. <sighs> oh, wow. We, we did leave the gay comment really late in the episode, and I just want to applaud everyone who came and supported yeah. us to do that. Thank you. Thank you for being here at the finish line. That's or right. some might even call it the starting line. Oh, man. Holy mackerel. Dan, I jumped... <laughs> Let's move. Let's move on here. I jumped into an iOS game for the first time in a long time. Are you familiar with Puzzles and Dragons? Have you heard of it? Puzzles and Dragons. Puzzles and Dragons. It's the only mobile game I've ever loved, and I genuinely hate mobile games. Are you? Are you? Are you a mobile game fan? I dabble. I dabble. Oh, really? Okay. I actually, I was expecting a, a resounding no, because to me, they're anathema. You know what? I, I do have Mega Man 2 on my phone, so just like that's a thing. If you need Wait to... a minute. Mega Man is available for me on my phone. <laughs> I yeah. Actually, scratch that. It's not how I want to experience Mega Man. No, it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me... Your tones mean nothing to me yet. Mm, true. Right. Um, I mean... So here's what I love about Puzzles and Dragons. It is a an enormous game. Uh, it's extremely large in japan um or china i'm not sure one of those uh, one of the two countries first I've, one I've, then the other first one then the other maybe both at the same time but really it is a puzzler it's kind of you can play it in bite-sized pieces it's uh, it's a it framed in the pardon me it's framed in the um the structure of a dungeon crawl right and you're right. you're bringing you're bringing to bear various monsters that are on your team to defeat this dungeon by doing puzzles and every time you line up for example in the puzzle it's like a bejeweled style kind of uh board and let's say you ri- you line up 5 red circles you'll execute a fire attack and if you have a lot of fire monsters on your team you do a lot of damage and that's really the basic thrust of the game and it's monetized very gently. You can get pretty far not having to dump a ton of cash into it. Of course, you can dump a lot of cash into it if you'd like and get a wider access to more of the features and more of the characters, etc. Um, but by and large, it's a really fun game to just kind of dip your toe into and and um, you know play when you when you got a couple minutes. But it kind of got me thinking. Like I was enjoying myself playing Puzzles and Dragons. Do it. Excuse me. Doing the thing. Um, and. I just have not had an enjoyable experience playing any other mobile game. So I'm curious, like, why is it that puzzle games feel okay for me on a mobile platform, but every other format, RPGs, um, you know, those kind of action arcade games, jumper games, um, all of those just make me want to curl up into the fetal position. Is it so, because they challenge you in a way 
that isn't like uh, based heavily in the controls because it, it, you know the phone is unwieldy for controls. Like we mentioned, Mega Man, and you're like, I don't want to experience this, uh, to be like that. And I, I, what I take from that is you want a controller and you're physically in your hand. In some games, that's what you want, right? Yeah, I, and that's probably the biggest reason. It's the most obvious one. Well, and, and I think it's because it engages your mind at the same time, right? Because it doesn't go the other way. It's like, oh, you don't have to worry about the controls, but what we've given you is Flappy Birds. And I'm sorry, if you play Flappy Birds more than five times, you're a psychopath. I mean, I'm the psychopath that played a lot of Flappy Bird <laughs> when that guy came out. And they, I actually, had, boy, the fact that you've said that, I actually had an iPhone 5 that had Flappy Bird installed. And I don't know if you remember, it's probably the same now, but at that point, if you installed a game to your iPhone, it wouldn't go away even if it was removed from the App Store. And so I had Flappy Bird and Tiny Death Star, which was another complete masterpiece with probably the most charming sprite animation I've ever seen, right? Um, do you remember Tiny Death Star? Charming sprite animation is uh, my funk band. Charming sprite animation is uh, the name of uh, my couple's counseling therapist. I love that. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you remember Tiny Death Star? I just I want to call back there. What Tiny Death Star? The like cardboard game game? No, man. Tiny Death Star was like. It was, uh, there's a tiny tower, I think is the name of the original. And then somehow they managed to get a Star Wars license or maybe app? they didn't. Is there an app for this? It was, yeah, you played it with me, I think. Anyway, it was where you built up the Death Star one floor at a time. And, you know, you'd kind of run little businesses in the Death Star, little cute little pixel characters. Anyway, it was very puzzly in and of its nature. And I think that's probably the, that's, I, maybe it's an open closed case why I don't like iOS games outside of puzzles. Cause it's just trying to offer me a deeper experience than I want to play with, uh, with a touchscreen situation, right? Maybe that's, that's the answer. What do you think would make iOS gaming more enjoyable? Do you just add a controller? No, because then it's not your phone anymore. Then it's a, a, like a controller situation. And in those situations, you probably want to leverage a gaming device that has a controller built into it, right? Yeah. And I'm a proponent of like not turning your phone into more things. It's already all the things. Right. So that's no, I, I feel you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I think you build games uh, for your audience and you make them great and you optimize the device's strengths while minimizing its uh, weaknesses. I really enjoyed Banner Saga. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I was like, awesome. that was like a keynote. Where did you, uh, did you rehearse that one, buddy? Did you steal that one out of the Microsoft console or, uh, uh, boy, wow. Which, which one? <laughs> that, that, that line, that line item right there was well rehearsed. Let's put a pin in that, and then, and then I want to let you know, in a dystopic future where, like, culture has been totally rejected as, like, our, like, uh, like our pop culture as, like, just such a waste of time, like, think of the amount of memorabilia and awesomeness we've, like, put our hearts into, and it's a passion for us, so I think it's justifiable, but there's a, a dystopian future where that, that uh, pop culture is the downfall of mankind, and mentioning The Simpsons will get you killed. Like, that's the oh. new thing. Like, you accidentally quote The Simpsons in front of people, like, that is a dark place to live. A dark yeah, place where, where the world of Matt Groening is not openly celebrated. I don't know that I want to live there, Dan. I, mean, I, I have a feeling that we wouldn't. I think we wouldn't make it. We'd no. accidentally call the census. I don't think we have heavily, but it eventually happens. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the only way that iOS gaming is going to get more fun for me is really if there's a tactile 
like a tactile control system built into the phone. And I don't know that that's ever going to be the case. Maybe in the future, we'll have smartphones that have the ability to simulate like texture under your fingers. That'd be kind of interesting, you know, where you have a, you have a, a screen or a monitor that can like grow and mold into a, <laughs> into a controller. I don't know. That's just, this is <laughs> some deus ex shit right there, but it's, uh, it's certainly interesting. I think that's what's missing. Computer, the texture. Do you want your computer to touch you? Do I want my computer to be a quasi-living device that turns into what I need? Maybe. Maybe for the, for, the few, for the few happy years before it replaces me as a functional object in the universe. Right, yeah. Like, at what point do the robots just take over? At what point do the smartphones take over is, I think, a more timely question. They're like, it's about the time that you put in, start putting nanites in people. They're like, oh, that's all we needed. Bloop. Yep, there you go. Silly you people. are now... <laughs> You're no longer Dank Dan living at 123 Harbor Street. Now you are a walking Sprite vending machine. <laughs> Do you want a Sprite? What does Sprite vending machine Dan say? It's uh, fresh. It's, it, that's, it's, it's the only thing you say. Everything you say is it's fresh. So you go about it's living fresh. your life, but your whole, your whole vernacular is it's fresh. You walk into the dry cleaner, it's fresh. Yes, Dan, we have your dry cleaning. Here's your this Sprite is- costume. This is a, an I uh, have no mouth, but I must scream um, like storyline where you like turn into this horrifying Sprite man that just you're just not. constantly sweating, but you have to smile because you're an advertisement. That's correct. Are you familiar with the book? Uh, I have no mouth, but I must scream. No, it sounds a lot like Kafka's The Insect. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with it, but but your reference is like I can approximate what you're talking about because you said those words. Kafka. He wakes up name. as a bug. Oh no. Go. That's troublesome. Like a life-sized bug. Like he's in bed as like a big eight-legged or six-legged carapace. It's pretty crazy. Oh wow. Oh wow. So um in a in a, I don't know but I must scream. Um it it's uh, about a story where computers rise and the, the calamity that goes past that and, it, and it's an example of human suffering and like because a supercomputer has like eight people that it keeps alive and like everything but else is dead. So anyway, um, it, 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 the, the author of this Sounds book, like a cheery place. He wrote it in like 24 or 25 hours, this like, this like, this short <laughs> novel. And just like, it's a hit. He wrote it so fast. And like every other science fiction writer's like, what happened? Um, but yeah, he's first time writer and he just smashed it out. I'm like, oh, you did it, eh? And they made a computer game of it. And it's a pretty good point and click nice. adventure. But it is existentially horrifying, so that that's a feature. How long did it take you to write the book? Yeah, I don't know, twenty four, maybe twenty five hours. hours, maybe twenty five. No, seriously though, how long did it take you? <laughs> yeah, like how long have you been writing your book? Four and a half years. Mm, yeah, I'm yeah, on my third rewrite. Rewrites? What are those? <laughs> Just it's write like, it. it. Listen, man, it's like the guy that walks up to the uh, you know walks up to the craps table um, with a with a whole. Let's, I'll use one of your words, litany of professional gamblers and wins, you know, a million dollars in his first throw. I don't know if that's mathematically possible in your first game of craps, but we're going to go with a yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Man, I've got some nerds. Have you had nerds like recently? Because they, they are just a pleasure, just a treat. I, I would have bought them when I was probably eye level with where the nerds are on the rack. Right. Whatever the nerds were, what are you, 10 or 11? That's when you buy some nerds. So you're not a candy guy, really, eh? Well, like, 
I am a candy guy. I did like the, the penny candies and the five cent candies. But there comes a point uh, where you realize that nerds are just like, sh- they're sugar rocks. Yeah, that's that's exactly what they are. And I'll tell you what, I'll go one step further and say nerds aren't really that good. They're basically tangy sugar rocks that masquerade as having their own unique flavor. But let's be real, they all taste exactly the same. Here's the best part about nerds, though, is the packaging comes with those adorable little nerdling characters. And I remember being in summer camp, and they had a tuck shop. It was one of them, one of them fancy overnight summer camps. Um, and you'd go to the tuck shop and you'd have like a budget or, you know, your, your parents would give you some cash to spend. And I'd buy these packs of nerds, tear off the little nerdling. And by the end of summer camp, I had a full collection of every nerdling that there was in this, uh, in this, their tuck, tuck shop. And so, um, I managed to make it home without diabetes somehow against all odds. Uh, and I've been, uh, I've been a nerd aficionado ever since. Now, were you collecting them because uh, if you have 10 labels from nerds, you can trade it in for uh, like a full liter of insulin? Nope. Didn't have a lot of friends at summer camp, and they were my only solace. You know what I like about the nerds game? is They give you that illusion of choice. Like, what do you want? Purple nerds? Green nerds? Whatever nerds you want, dog. And you're like, I get two, and then you buy them. They take and another I- step. They go, this is watermelon. This is lemon. And they're just close enough that you don't question them. But it's the same fucking thing, friends. I'm here to tell you. I, I don't want to like call it the candy people. But if you have a pack of nerds in your pocket and a pack of Popeye smokes in your pocket, you have all the motions you need to learn how to smoke cigarettes. You're like, let's get this going. <laughs> this, <laughs> this sinister marketing laboratory of Marlboro and nerds and Willy Wonka. How can we get these kids used to smoking? Um, we've got no artificial flavors in this guy. There you go. There's the health benefit, the throwaway. I'm starting to notice all these throwaway health benefits on candy packages. Like, Jimmy, who does, what do you got there? What do you got there? I got no artificial flavors. Okay, like who's buying nerds and they're like, oh, as long as there's no artificial flavors, this is just fine. It's like last I, week I'm with the Swedish concerned. berries. Where did you get this flavor naturally? That's even you, more vexing. That's just concerning, especially because you've got... Well, here's the reason. There's no flavor. It's just fucking sugar. It's dextrose, sugar, and dextrose, make no mistake, is just another sugar. Corn syrup, again, another sugar, flavors, and carnauba wax. (laughs) It's just straight sugar. Wow. Um, And they measure it by the the milliliter. So 15 milliliters, 60 grams of calories, 14 grams of sugar. Sorry, pardon me. Did they give you your nerds in milliliters? Yeah, I don't know. They're measured. It's a volumetric. At this point, they don't give a fuck. They're like, oh, yeah, we need nutrition facts on this guy. Throw some turn, numbers on there that make sense. They turn <laughs> sugar into into like these little nuggets. So it's like the crack of the sugar industry because you like cook them down to get nerds. Yuck. Yucky. <laughs> and Yucky. That's, that's why you can trade the covers in for insulin because literally the uncooked uh nerds formula is insulin it's just like sugar water <laughs> we have the yep. cause two and cure four stage four diabetes. they're getting you coming and going those fucking candy folks uh what about yourself buddy you got a munchie yes uh, i am cheating down on another dank dan bespoke special this is sweet olena's pure single batch co- that's sweet olenka uh, and you know it sweet olenka what did i say you said say sweet you- elena Yolanda. Yolanda. I'm trying to get that sponsor, bro. We'll do J-J-J-Jane both. Jane Fonda. Ba ba ba. 
We got into improvisational jazz. Why don't you go Let ahead and tell us what you got going on? So Ooh. the gimmick on these bad boys. The chocolate I'm I'm looking at is looks like a pine cone. And maybe it'll taste like a pine cone. You have to bite it to know. Yes. All right, Christopher. Um, yeah, it sounds good, man. Some bespoke truffles, eh? That's a nice little gift. We'll call it, what, what kind of chocolate are we dealing with? Dark, light, milk? What's going on? This is They call it a single batch ice cream. So I think it's a milk chocolate. So this is a, a situation where they've called ch a chocolate truffle an ice cream in the hopes of confusing us all beyond belief. And it's working. Yeah, I'm confused. That's for sure. What, what, thumbs up, thumbs down? How's the flavor? How's it hitting it's your delightful. tongue? I'm one, I'm one chocolate in, and its taste was, had a little cardamom in it. it cardamom? Spice to it. it was a Christmas. I'd say this is the Christmas chocolate. Yeah, that explains the 30% discount. Yep, it sure does. The next guy, yeah, confirm. That's Santa Claus. That is the taste of Kris Kringle's mirth. Oh, the next one, we got like an unimpressed cat. Oh, unimpressed kitty. Nice. And coming down the pipe, we have bird. I would say like bird in a cage, but to give you an idea of the bird, it's like the Christian dove bird. So nice. Maybe a comment about imprisoned Christianity. All right. Well, we got. Oh, we got. Oh, oh, oh yep. We we got the mouse to go with the cat. Hey, that's cute. That's not a sweet little touch. We've got a lot of games coming out over the next month, buddy. There's uh, there's some good stuff in here. I'm just gonna flip through this list here real quick. Shadow of the Colossus HD is coming out February 6th. That's a remaster of the PlayStation 2 title. Uh, did you play Shadow of the Colossus? Uh, I feel like I did, like literally in the store when it was the demo disc when it first came out. But like right. for an inordinate amount of time, I think I finished the first boss. I watched a movie um, in the early 2000s where the character, Adam Sandler, was playing Shadow of the Colossus. I think it was a terrible movie. I think it was some, something lyrical. I can't remember the name. But lyrics and music, music and lyrics. I don't know. Um, but that was my only introduction to Shadow of the Colossus. I remember being in this shitty, shitty movie watching Adam Sandler play this game and thinking, I got to get that fucking game. Never did. But I'm pleased that it's coming back as an HD remaster because uh, it looks cool. You're scaling giant colossi i think to defeat them everything is a giant boss battle kind of situation um looks really neat oh, I'm yeah. shadow of the colossus asks you a simple premise what if all your enemies are a thousand times bigger than you yeah solve that's a good that. question solve for that and yes stone and magic Ooh, all of the good stuff um Civilization Six. Oh, it's an expansion for Civilization Six. Interesting. Dragon Quest Builders is coming out now. This is an interesting looking game. It's coming out for the Nintendo Switch. This game I think already exists on Vita and I think on PS4. I'm not 100 percent sure though. It's an interesting looking game. Have you seen Dragon Quest Builders before? Negative. Um, I want to say it's like a Minecrafty version of Dragon. Let, let me just let me just dive into it quickly here. It's a sandbox action role playing game developed by Square Enix, and it looks genuinely like a Minecraft esque Dragon Quest game. I'm kind of intrigued. Hmm. My first cut at it is build the game. That's what you're supposed to do. Bring it yes. back when it's built. But uh, yeah. I I see their cut. I see their cut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, characters building 
a camp out of blocks. Monsters such as the slime and the dragon from the original Dragon Quest appear. Player has a health bar, must eat food over time, similar to Minecraft. Games also been compared to Dark Cloud. You know what? I remember playing Dark Cloud, I want to say, on the Dreamcast. I think that was the, yeah, I think that was the spot. Dark Cloud, that like dungeon delving game where you're also building up a town. I I vaguely remember it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster, but. That's a a, deep cut, Andy. That's a deep cut. I think Dark Cloud has its circle. I think it uh, it was a dream. Yeah, Dreamcast. Undoubtedly, buddy. We got a fan out there that is loving this. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Dark Cloud guy, this one's for you. This one's for you, buddy. No, you know what? Sorry, it did not come out on the Dreamcast. It came out only... <laughs> only <laughs> Back, dashed against the rocks, Dreamcast but No, PlayStation, PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2. There you go. Apologize, right. Andy. I could have sworn I played this on the Dreamcast. And now <laughs> that I'm thinking about it, did I play this game? Is <laughs> the next question. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I, I played it in the sense that I dreamt about playing it. Yes. Yes, they try. Okay, attack and defeat the genie. Boy, I'm I'm getting nowhere on on uh, on. I may not have played Dark Cloud. I'm trying to raise the bar for no one on this. <laughs> We've bought ourselves nothing but mistrust. On yeah, this that's okay. Either way, Dragon Quest Builders looks quite uh, quite fantastic, quite interesting, and I'm excited to to give it a shot. Um, what else do we have on this here list, my man? Oh. Interesting, interesting. Couple late entries here. Come along. But what do you have? <laughs> I'm stalling for right time. Right this way. Just, <laughs> so the reality is, is that the internet has gone out on my computer, um, and I do not have my show notes. So uh, why don't okay. you take it away? Give us, give us some of the games coming out here <laughs> in January or in the end of February. Okay, I got, I got this. Listen. I can listen. Do this. We could do this. <laughs> it's around here. Teamwork makes the dream work. Here we go. I got it on my iPhone. Look at this situation. Uh, Come back to me. Come back pu- to me. Oh, are we going to talk about uh, an over nine thousand level title? In, in oh Dragon Ball shit! Z okay, Fighter. all right. Stop. Hold the phone. Hold, Hold the, the phone. phone. Dragon Ball Z Fighter has come out. Now, Dan, are you a Dragon Ball Z fan? Are you a Dragon Ball fan? Yeah. Like, I mean, sure. Is that a yes or is that like an authentic yes or an emphatic yes? Listen, I can spirit bomb with the best of them. Let's say that. Okay, cool. I've not been a Dragon Ball Z guy. You know, Dragon Ball Z out while I was, you know, in my teens. um, And it was, you know, always something that was in the periphery. Had a lot of friends who were really into it. Still a lot of people who love Dragon Ball Z. I'd say it's probably the most mainstream well-known manga or anime or whatever. Um but for me, it's never been something that tickled tickled my fancy. This fighter, I think, has changed my opinion on Dragon Ball Z. The way the yeah. characters are realized in this game looks incredible and makes me want to care about this series. You know what I mean? I know. I know what you're saying. It 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 brings uh, the animations into a current technology in a way that like pleases your brain. Because the, the beautiful thing about the Dragon Ball Z series. Uh, you know, the cartoon especially, is it goes big. They're not afraid mm-hmm. to knock down mountains or blow up planets or, you know, go to uh, astral dimensions with, uh, you know, uh, space, like, fifth-dimensional dragons. Sure, I like that. I like that in a game. And yeah, it, all right. In a, in a title. And it, it uh, makes for great fights. And uh, mm-hmm. if you can make that look good and feel balanced, that's a, that has the potential to be an amazing fighting game, and that's what I hear from this. The there's, only- a, there's a massive cast of characters, too. That's the cool thing about Dragon Ball. 
Um, there are more characters in that show than they know what to do with. Um, Dragon Ball Z fighter has been a little bit sparse. I know that some of the previous fighters uh, in the Dragon Ball series had a lot of like like a huge roster. This one yeah. specifically, I think, only has twenty three or twenty four characters, but they right. also it seems pretty well represented, and and folks are are kind of stoked on um, the roster. They're saying it's pretty tight. Everybody feels unique. So I'm I'm excited to try this one out. Given the, the given the characters you know of, who would you who would you pick on the on that on your for your DBZ fighter? I don't. Who's the giant pink slug guy? Uh, He's like a, like Boo, like Majin Boo. Majin Boo, that's his name. Yeah, that fuck has, that fucker. I want to play that guy. He has a fat version, and I, I forget his name. Where he's like really fat. I gotta go with. Um, come on, brain, you had it. Oh, Mr. Popo, straight up. Mr. Popo, is he in the game? Almost certainly no, but right. he is. I'm picking him every time. Yeah, nice. The graphics in this game, so this was actually built on the same uh, the same engine as Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear is another anime-style fighting game. I haven't played the most recent one, which I think is Guilty Gear 6, but don't quote me on that. It came out recently. Um, and allegedly, uh, well... First of all, about the graphics, they're actually 3D modeled and textured to look like manga, which is kind of cool. So when you're looking at it, it's not, you know, um, drawn anime that you're watching jump around the screen and that creates these characters. They're actually 3D models that are textured painstakingly to look like anime. I think that's pretty fucking neat. And it shows, man, like everything. I Again, I couldn't care one iota about Dragon Ball Z until I saw the, the footage of this gameplay. And I just, I keep seeing it all over the internet and I'm stoked. I actually, I think I'm going to pick this up for sure. Um, it, it, it's, I've seen some of the video too and it, it, it does look seamless. And uh, the, the only complaint I've heard about it is from the hardcorest fans perspective, they find some elements of the Guilty Gear system too accessible for the movesets they want. But you know what? Knowing a game's more accessible at the middle level does attract me to it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm never going to be like a top-tier Street Fighter guy. I like me some Street hey, Fighter. And I've come hey, leaps and bounds. Hey, but I, I just <laughs> you, could be a, you, could be the, you could be the best. I could be the best. I just have to leave my family, move away to a dude ranch, and do nothing but play Street I Fighter all day. I mean, we're we're all podcasting. We're all podcasting for a dream, anyway, right? But um, <laughs> simplified dun, fighting. Dun, dun. Ooh, dun, man, there's, dun, just, there's been so much dun, singing dun, in this podcast. Dun. I think we're either going to get a record deal or have no podcast. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think, think we're one right. of the two. I think we're in that direction. But the uh, the fighting combos in this game are interesting because what they've done is they've actually made it easier and more accessible for a new player to execute on combos. So what they've done is they've turned um, button, like very simple button patterns into combos. So what you've got is a, a much shorter barrier to entry. You can jump into the game, again, from what, I, what I've seen and what I understand, you can jump into the game, hit a couple buttons, and you know have some basic combos down, and then start applying those to your fight. It's not going to get you all the way. It's not going to get you to that professional tier, you know, but it, it allows you to jump in the game and start to understand its vibe before it asks you to commit to the more complicated combos. And I think that's cool, because that was the one thing that's kept me out of Street Fighter for so long is you know the kind of painstaking nature of learning how to play those games they're pretty nuanced yeah true true say um it, and it's uh the type of thing where do you want do you want to be the per, have the prestige of knowing i know the white 
like death touch of Akuma, or do you want to just you know be able to really ex- get at the game and get at its meat and be competitive because you know how to control your character super early? Yeah, yeah, I, and it's and it's it's that you know I want to have fun when I jump in. I don't have to win, but I have to feel like I know what I was doing. And that's actually one of the most frustrating things about Street Fighter when you're at that like twenty-five to fifty percent degree of knowledge when you know a little bit about the game or a moderate amount about the game, but not enough to really claim that you're a player. Even if you win, it feels like a hollow victory. You know, you're you're executing some combos intentionally, but some are kind of unintentional. And every now and again, you get lucky with a Hadouken or with a Shoryuken or whatever. And uh, you know, you win the you win the fight, but you don't. In your heart, you didn't win, did you, Dan? No, no. You just you're big fish in a small pond. Yep, you heard it here. Um, so you're you're a little bit of a Dragon Ball Z fan. Does this make you more interested in the show? Like, are you kind of? Does it make you want to jump into the game, jump into the show, jump into the I'll other? I'll play stuff? the game. I've I've seen enough of the show. I haven't been, you know, I've seen the first couple big uh, things. I know Goku's journey and, and whatnot. But you know, uh, I'll play this game. And what I really love is uh, something that this fighter game does really well. It does. It has like a gambling phase where you can execute uh, a combat situation where you play like rock, paper, scissors. You hit like one of four buttons and you either counter or like have a, so have like a very uh, uh, strong attack against the other players. And they, they do it as like a, a tete-a-tete. Because if you've ever seen the show, there's a lot of like intense punching and how do, you, how do you mediate that? How do you represent that in a game? So they do this rock, paper, scissors match to see if somebody just owns someone. And it's a cool mechanic to have in a fighting game. Interesting. Okay, I hadn't seen that, but that sounds pretty neat. Yeah, well, we should definitely uh, at least investigate this game. I think it's out for the Switch, right? Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I Switch, sort of yeah. Right? I think you're right. I, I hope it's out for the Switch. If it is, oh, here we go. Let me see. And confirmed for the Switch. Come on, baby. It is, no. PS4, Xbox One, PC. My bad. <laughs> uh, once again, we give it and we take it away. We giveth and then we take it away. The Purple Dungeon Squid, fair, but sometimes cruel. Um, that being said, uh, PS4, I could, see, I could see myself picking this up for that. I'd be way more interested if it was the Switch because, hey, popping out the old kickstand, grabbing a couple, couple Joy-Con, and with the beginner-friendly nature of this Dragon Ball Z fighting game, um, it seems perfectly suited for that kind of uh, interaction with the Nintendo periphery. You know what I'm saying? Ah, kameha, meha, as they say in the ancient Japanese proverb. So uh, yeah, we'll be picking up. You'll play DBZ with me if I pick it up. Damn, damn stree, damn stree, my friend, damn stree. Well, um, before we wrap it up, I saw something really fucking cool on Mary Jane earlier today. Are you have you heard of Wizman four twenty? I have not heard of Wizman four twenty. Okay, so there is a secret democratic. Chinese splinter cell operating out of China, out of mainland China. And it's this little group in an undisclosed location. They are weed promoting, cannabis educating, gamers, graphical artists, um, interesting folks who are running Instagram feeds, making comics, and educating the Chinese underground about the wonderful, beautiful community building benefits of cannabis. They, what a fucking cool story. <laughs> that is the start to a badass movie, if I've ever heard one. 
that is incroyable. What's their mission? Well, yeah, that's they're literally there to spread democratic ideas. um, You know, generate more apt knowledge of cannabis in China because at the end of the day, you know, cannabis is a classified in the same way as cocaine or heroin, you know, in China, it's a schedule one schedule, a big, big asterisk beside it, narcotic. And clearly these folks are, are committed to making sure that that's not the case in their lifetimes. So it's, it's fascinating because, you know, in China, this is not particularly kosher, right? This is not, you know, it's not a, a, you know, a whatever thing to be kind of in hiding doing this stuff. So my hat goes off to you. Um, but they, it's just, it's a really cool story. They have comic, like comic book origins kind of, they're not a huge operation by any stretch. I think they had 14,000 Instagram followers last time I checked them out. Are we, Um, are we like putting too much heat on our boys down there? I mean, listen, man. What do you mean? I mean, like, uh, is is attention a bad thing? We want to keep this thing on the DL. Should we be speaking in hushed tones? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, man, they're out there on Mary Jane earlier today. I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're flying under the radar. There was some. All right, all right, Mark. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) copper. Okay, I'm secretly here with the anti weed agenda. Anti weed Andy. I think there's a wire in here. I'm almost certain. <laughs> Anti-cannabis Andy. That's what they called me in Congress. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, cool guys. They had some comic book origins. They have this this character called Wizman, right? He's this, I guess, gamer kind of guy who smokes weed and turns into Wizman. And uh, they actually have created a dab rig too. They've got like a little. It looks almost like an e nail attached to um, you know a, a glass a glass dab rig. Uh, which means it heats up on its own. You throw you throw your product in there, and you have a nice little time in down in Dabtown. And um, yeah, they, I just I thought it was a cool story. You know what I'm saying? It's, it seems like some some neat stuff that folks are up to in a place where this is not a particularly easy thing to do. I think and I think it's good for for you know the that situation because uh, how many how how many like what do you think uh, the consumption of marijuana is for the population of china i think it's like 10 percent consume i you know i would i would have to guess at it but one thing that struck me is that they run a lot of um they run a lot of informational pieces on how to identify real cannabis from the synthetic shit and i don't know if you've ever if you know about synthetic weed some people call it spice it's it can actually be extremely dangerous like it can be lethal right so it's Super sounds, not a good thing. Sounds sweet. Let's get some. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, just horrific, right? And so there was actually a period of time where it was being sold in the U.S. because it was kind of in this gray area. It's like, oh no, this is man-made weed, and then you know, it turns out it kills people. Obviously, now extremely and highly illegal. Um, so fuck that. But it's it, for the for the Chinese consumer that is in a market where that's still very much a thing and very much everywhere. Pretty uh, pretty high five props to you guys over at Wizman420 for doing doing that good stuff to our fellow tokers in Sheen. The the pitch to the Chinese government is you remind them that uh, uh, cannabis properly farmed is hemp uh, in the in the proper way. You can weave uh, substances that are you know ten times stronger than steel in tensile strength and ten times lighter, you know, or a hundred times lighter. And it's like, oh yeah, this is actually a superb building. Uh, yeah there you uh, go you know element and you know the chinese like to build cities they do very well they do it pretty darn well and so Wizman 420's mission is to build an oriental chill land 
<laughs> I don't. Ooh. Yeah, I just, that's their words. The Oriental Chill Land. So yeah, cool, cool, uh, cool interview with those with those folks, and uh, we wish you all the best, Wizman420. Get at us if uh, if you ever want to chat weed and video games. And speaking of chatting weed and video games, I think we are done doing the aforementioned chatting, buddy. I think I want to ride off into the distance and take this super critical home. It's time to say sayonara. Yeah. All right, friends. Well, thanks for joining us. Listener questions or games you want us to play, shoot us an email at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. And then write a short letter to a close compatriot about uh, the men you heard rabble on in such humorous fashion. Yeah. Say, Andy and Dank Dan sent me to send you to the Purple Dungeon Squid Podcast, available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dank, friends. Keep it dank. Diggity dank. Dank you. Fuck, I am high. Ream, ream, ream. Mouthfuckery alert. Mouthfuckery alert. Fire. <laughs> Fire. Jettison. Oral chamber. <laughs>